This is Professor Raymond Noby, Department of Ancient History, log entry number two. I believe I have made a significant find in the castle of Cantor. Having journeyed there with my wife, Henrietta, my daughter, Annie, and associate professor, Ed Gettler. It was in the rear chamber of the castle. We stumbled upon something remarkable. Once again, you ask the same shit you ask every week. But I'll indulge you, you creepy English tart. I'm here for my weekly stash of Teddy Mags, my favorite taco bar in the whole wide world, Toblerone, and my lotto tickets. Who bought a shingle? I have one! Are you a sleaze fan old enough to remember late 80s DNA horror? Well, welcome into our retrospective on the grandmother of all DNA GP franchises, the Witchcraft series. Join us for what is slated to be a trilogy of episodes. This first episode brings host Eric Gary, Mark the Movie Man, Brian Kirst, Glenn Mittner, and Scott Davis face to face with their own cinematic mortality, and the limits of endurance as they watch Witchcraft 1 through 4 and attempt to make sense of what they have done. To keep up to date with the various projects of Derek Carey and Rabbit Child Films, follow him on Facebook and Twitter. Also, follow Astro Radio Z on Facebook, Twitter and the Tumblr page where you can find all the new episodes and a selection of some of the best classic Castro Radio Z shows of the past. Now, on with the show. It's not Welcome to another episode of Astro Radio Z. I am your host, Derek Carey, and I'd like to thank all of the people that have been listening and tuning in and following the new Twitter page that I put out there. We've been getting a lot of uh, good responses to the episodes we've been doing, so I want to thank you for following me. So tonight, we're going to do another one of our retrospective episodes we did one a while back for the nightmare on elm street series well tonight no we're not doing friday the 13th would that would that make sense you know you did nightmare on elm street and you're gonna do friday the 13th next no are we doing halloween no no mark the movie man who you know he was gonna be here he says no are we doing leprechaun we should yeah. <laughs> we could have done Leprechaun, Jesus. No, instead, I made my crew watch the first four witchcraft films. <laughs> now, you, you may be wondering, what the fuck is the witchcraft series? Now, anyone that grew up in the late 80s, early 90s, and went to the video stores and were, were fiends on uh, low-budget 
Skinamax, Red Shoe Diaries, or real low-rent garbage, <laughs> you saw the Witchcraft series on tape at every single last video store that you went to. The The covers had a big pentagram and then some scantily clad chick and some muscle-bound dude looked like Harlequin romance novels for horror nerds. And... Uh, <laughs> When I was when I was growing up, I always saw those things, and I never had the maybe. This is probably not the right way to to put this. I never had the balls to pick one up. I I just never was all that interested in them. They just looked really cheap, and it always seemed like they were spawning like gremlins, like somebody had sprayed water on them, and there was another five movies that came out in the last two months. <laughs> Ultimately, it it ended up being thirteen movies that came out in this series. And um, a friend of mine a while back gave me all 13 of these movies. So they've been sitting around taunting me. And um, when it came to what am I going to do for some new episodes of Astro Radio Z, they spoke to me and said, you need to watch us. So I talked to all my crew, my boys. I got Brian Kirst, the gay horror fan. I got uh, Glenn Bittner, uh, Mark the Movie Man, and Scott Davis here. I'm making them, maybe <laughs> against their will, and they probably won't ever come on my show ever again after this series of episodes. We're going to watch and do a retrospective on all 13 witchcraft films. So uh, I hope you guys enjoy this. I hope you stick around and uh, put up with which, what I'm assured. I don't know. I can't expect anything um, <laughs> out, of, out of the people that I bring on here. But it's going to be interesting going through what accounts to be basically a TNA series with light horror elements <laughs> to it. So let's go around and say hello to everybody tonight and uh, stop me babbling on and on and on and on. So, Brian, how are you doing tonight, my friend? I'm doing all right. How about you guys? Well, <laughs> We're all doing here. <laughs> yeah, I think everyone's side. They're like just trying to like pull themselves together to even be able to speak about these movies we're going to talk about. Oh, yeah, this is going to be well, like crazy what? cathartic. Ju Julie yes. Strain was actually going to fly in and hang out with me during this segment. but uh, She was? She was, but she couldn't make it, so she sent um, some silicone from her left breast. <laughs> And I'm, like, rubbing that right now as you talk. She's, she's a part of this, actually. She's there in spirit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That must have come freight, right? <laughs> so she still has O's, right? Media mail. Hey, Media it, mail. if it fits, it ships. Mr. Glenn Bittner, it's nice to see you. I almost thought I wasn't going to have you on the show tonight, my friend. How you doing? Fuck you, I watched your movies, now where's my wife? See, that's what I... Oh, I didn't realize that's what this was. I didn't know there was... Can, you, can it be a drawing of a wife? Paper doll? Yeah, can I draw a wife for you? I just get these images of Mel Gibson from Ransom going, Give me back my son! <laughs> Not without my daughter. Um, <laughs> Mark the movie man. What's new in your world, my sir? Oh, what isn't new? Oh, I'm still recovering from these films, you know. And I watched some. I watch. I like zombie ass. So you know, if this film doesn't entertain me, there's something wrong with it. 
Okay. We gave you a complex, didn't we, about zombie ass? <laughs> you know what's funny is I, I did another review with another guy about zombie ass, so I had to defend it again. So. <laughs> oh my God! You just can't oh get God. away from this fucking movie. For I the listeners of Astro it. Radio Z that aren't familiar with the conversation we're having, we run another podcast called Film Jerks, and the last episode was on zombie ass, in which all of the members that are currently in this episode basically railroaded uh, Mark and, <laughs> and and stomped all over him because he likes poopy humor. I like the poopy humor. Leave me alone. I turn 16 next month, so leave me alone. Good for you. I, I hope the pubes are coming in nicely. <laughs> Scott Davis, how are you doing, sir? Just peachy, you know? <laughs> My God. You guys yeah. are some miserable bastards. <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, we, you know, freshly, freshly unemployed... Got to like, well, I gotta occupy myself with some kind of project. Oh, we're watching movies? Great! What are we watching? It was this. So. <laughs> <laughs> you guys are just letting. You know what? Nobody's gonna listen to the rest of my podcast. If you guys are ju- doing nothing but already. Let's just set them up for failure. Oh, these guys can't stand this. Oh, I better listen to the next two and a half hours of this shit. But that's what makes it better, you know. Right. <laughs> Our pain is entertaining to other people. I'm uh, our pain is their gain, right? Yes. Well, all right. Well, let's let's cut the horseplay and the bullshit, and let's just get right into this. We'll start with the first witchcraft film which was made in 1988. Now, let's get this thing straight. None of these films, and the, we're going to talk about one through four tonight, none of these films went to the theater. All of them were straight-to-video exploitation films. First one, filmed in 1988, which I will personally subtitle as Rosemary's Generic Exploitation Baby. <laughs> uh, it's, it's plot is as follows. A new mother and her child move into her mother-in-law's dark old mansion. Soon, she begins to suspect that neither the house nor her mother-in-law are quite what they seem to be. That's from IMDb. It's basically this this chick, She, uh, her and her husband are, are expecting a baby. She, she gives birth to a one-year-old. <laughs> and then goes what? to this, almost two. Yeah, if you, it, I have I have a one and a half year old, so right now it felt like looking at the baby. I watched it again like two nights ago. It looked like a one year old, but yeah, this baby that she has is fucking huge. There's no way that she had this baby without her nether regions being torn to absolute shreds. <laughs> There's or or a C-section. She gets out of the hospital after having this immensely huge baby and she is walking around gingerly, walking up and down steps, trying to seduce her her husband, trying to get him to sleep with her almost immediately. I don't know about you guys. I know Mark can speak to this, but um <laughs> My after we had our first child, my wife didn't even want to look at me for a year. <laughs> I believe I believe during my, the birth of my first child, she looked at me and said, "You are never touching me again." Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you would think with even with it being a low budget, they could have gotten away with wrapping up something very very small, you know, and just even a doll. You never even see the face as a doll because. 
with this baby, you don't really, you wouldn't see it or pay attention to it if it didn't take up half the screen for some of the shots. I mean, really, this was not a newborn, which right there throws off any type of getting into this that this was a really young baby. I mean, so, wait, wait, well, there was a baby in this? I, I thought that was just like the husband's stunt double that just kept getting left in the <laughs> They had about as much hair. <laughs> just like a lot of hair. Foreshadowing, because like the next movie takes place, what, a couple years later, and the kid's are already 18, so... Yeah, yeah. 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 Exactly. Right. yeah. Well, uh, we'll definitely suss that out. Yeah, he's one of those freak two. babies, like, like on the TV series V. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he's actually a lizard. He's a little, actually a lizard baby. Let's, let's go around. Let's give just general thoughts, because it's basically this lady walks home. She gets home. Her husband and her go to her, uh, his mother's house where she's there to recuperate and the mother's going to take care of the baby while she recuperates and as time goes along weird strange visions start happening and she starts suspecting that um, there's something malevolent inside the house and that they're plotting against her and her baby that's essentially what this movie mm -hmm. is and then what ends up happening um, yeah we're going to spoil this because I, I hate to break it to everyone these movies are old and <laughs> you can find them, and I'm not—I don't care if I'm going to spoil what happens in this film. But uh, so essentially, everyone's witches, same way everyone is in Rosemary's Baby, and uh, she's got to try and fight to survive. What was everyone's general uh, opinion, Brian? What did you think about this movie? I'm just surprised that this was successful enough to spawn 12 other movies. <laughs> First off, I think we—I think. Anyone who's watched these um, has that immediate impression. I, I just couldn't believe for something that has such a sexy video box cover, there was no nudity or anything in this. I, zero. I mean, zero. Zero. Nothing really sexy. Nothing. Nothing. It, it, it just... They have a couple good moments. Like, the last five minutes of this movie is probably the best part of the movie. And there, there are little things here and there that remind you of why you love horror films and why you love teenage films and why you love exploitation and genre films. But literally, you know, the the, the moments between those things happening are, are so stretched out. Yeah. So stretched out. It, it, it's, just, it's just kind of crazy. And all the films have such weird tone shifts. Like, the thing that hit me right away was they're in the hospital, the nurses and the doctors are being very attentive which struck me as where does does that you really get that, get that much personal attention in a hospital when you're that that's yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely yeah absolutely. you do okay. yeah you do they're they're yeah. very very attentive it's it's actually quite shocking wow i cuz that, that I, obviously i've never you know had a baby or been involved with anyone who has had a baby <laughs> um so i was just like wow do they really like yeah, there's yeah, a doctor and two totally. nurses and an intern and yep. they're totally, all like, man. Oh, that's interesting. See, I learned something. So they've got a very you know kind of semi-serious tone, and then the best friend tries to sneak in the room. That I wanted like, to talk about that. I'm a glad three you Stooges that up. routine, like with the feet going up in the air, weird, and you know the the tone for like a minute totally changes, and then it goes into something else again. Even the music, films are crazy.
and she's sneaking she's sneaking around and they're having the this the typical kind of like Benny Hill cuts where she's walking across the screen cut she's walking across the other way cut she's she's sneaking between things three-quarter shot yeah it's it's just ridiculous uh, that Linda character her uh, grace who's the lead I titled her the 80s friend because this chick, she was the best character in the whole movie. She was. To me. She I was. thought she was yeah. really fun. Yeah. And she, she, she wears these obnoxious red pants to the hospital. And then later on, when a, when this priest character, he, uh, he comes to the house to make sure, you know, Chris and the baby and make sure everything's okay. He gets killed in a very glorious fashion. And, uh, they go to the, they come back from his funeral and she's wearing like this leather short skirt and leather gloves with poofs on them to this yep. fucking priest's funeral. Was she looking to get laid? I mean, what what the fuck was up with that outfit? She knew there were gonna be a lot of stiffs there. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> but she also had the best death. In the entire yep. film, yeah, yes. I think yeah. the entire series that we've seen so far, actually. Yes, I agree yes. with you one hundred percent. She gets this decapitated, is... and then Grace finds her head floating. That's it. <laughs> That's, That's it. it. <laughs> like a big, big blood splash. That's like yeah. the glorious thing in any of these movies, because most of the blood, is, like in this, in this section, she keeps having this, this cheap Grace. I'm referring to keeps having this flash like these flashbacks uh, slash hallucinations of the mother. He, she keeps turning around and opens her mouth like half-assed and just b- blood just drips out of her mouth in the worst freaking bleeding mouth effect I've ever seen in my entire life. It was like the cheapest thing. You couldn't have done it a little better than that. It was just like, <laughs> it just dribbles out of her she, fucking mouth. She did that like four times. too. <laughs> it's just yeah. the cheapest fucking shit. She looked like she just drank some grape juice and then had a stroke. <laughs> I think they use that shot for stock footage in the next one too. Yeah, well, they like, use it. Like, oh, we gotta use this again. Yep. They're, all of the all of the pertinent information in this one gets regurgitated in each of the next three films. Yeah. So. Get used to that uh, that lynching scene that starts the film. Get oh, used God. to, uh, yeah, that blood out of the mouth scene. Uh, get get used to the scene where they're grabbing guts out of a stuffed animal dog. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so any of those scenes, yeah, get used to that shit because you're gonna be seeing it over and over and over and really poorly edited flash cuts. So so Brian, please continue. What what else? What do you yeah. do you think about this one? It's just long stretches of wandering and not much going on. One thing I, that I thought was really interesting that I don't think that they followed um, up with too much is the conversation between Linda and Grace, where she, Grace talks about having track marks or, or living for the next sheds. Yeah, she was like, a, yeah, fix, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I thought that was, I you know this film and and the, the films that you know follow it, they seem to have some kind of cool ideas and cool thoughts and they don't really like I don't think that was ever mentioned again you you know and obviously you know it leads into okay you know he wanted someone just to have this baby and is using her as you know a tool of some sorts but unless I missed something I don't think they ever expounded on that or followed up on that Um, 
throughout the rest of the movie. Look. No, they didn't. And the and the thing is, there's there's moments like that for every single last character in this film. Now, now one of the biggest, I think, cheapest subplots, or it wasn't even a subplot. It was just like a flashback. Was Grace's family, where all of a sudden she's outside and she has this green thumb. You know, she's being ginger after she just had gave birth to this three-year-old. Um, she's outside, you know, doing gardening and, and all this jazz, and all of a sudden she has this flashback of her, her her parents who were brutally torn apart, and one's hanging and the other one is in bed just torn to shreds. And all of a sudden, you know, it flashes back to the present, I should say. Grace, you all right? Yeah. Yeah, I'm fine. Just bad memories. And then walks, you know, and then walks away. So it's just like all these really cheap, like, like they felt like they needed to give some depth to each of these characters, but they didn't want to give the time because they wanted to get back to reminding you that they're just ripping off other movies. Glenn, <laughs> let's m- move to you. What are what are your thoughts on this one overall? All right, item one. Uh, <laughs> oh boy, here we go. Sit back, get your beer. One of the most awkward dinner scenes ever on film. There's like there's like that seven minute long dinner scene where they're just kinda just eating and then they threw in I think one or two clips of the, the blood in the mouth too. Yeah. Just or yeah. we'll just throw that in there too. This movie is definitely a, uh, a product of the eighties, you can tell that and mm-hmm. it's also a telling sign that guys will, will fuck anything because people were born in the eighties and if you look at I mean women with their half their body weight was their hair and then wearing like the especially uh Grace wearing like the freaking jackets that make women look like Dick Buckkiss with the shoulder pads. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they were pretty bad. Between that and then, oh God, just everything about it is just so awful. <laughs> What's well, boring? I think that's the main it's, thing. It's is incredibly that, yeah. boring. And and yeah, the 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 giant baby. Oh, and I love the fact that she is she goes to her mother in law's house to live there so she can recover from giving birth to, you know, the son of Godzilla. So she's too weak and too sick, you know, to go back to her real house. But mother in law constantly puts her to work. She's out working in the garden, she's working on like that was doing she, dishes. Do stuff, but she keep making her keep giving her chores. That's not what you do to someone who needs to recover from from giving birth is hey, you just gave birth. Go work in the garden. Well, she's also trying to get it on with her husband, too. It's just like, yes. I didn't believe any of that shit. And, <laughs> and maybe the, the vast majority of viewers that this went for were like younger males and whatnot. This is a thing. This series could not be made today. Could oh, not no. be made today because this came out at a time where they were marketed as acceptable porn. Essentially, like the Red Shoe Diaries and stuff like that. It was like it, the cover was sexy, and the guys could go in. They're horror movies. They could go in, get their TNA, bring them up to the counter, and then take them home, and then do what they will with them. But this film yeah. completely fooled them because there's oh, yeah. none of that shit. No. In the yeah. you get, there were hundreds of guys sitting around for 90 minutes with lotion in one hand and dry tissue in the other going, what the fuck do I do with this now? <laughs> The closest you get, the closest you get is this chick who just gave, you know, just had a baby trying to slime on this husband character who's obviously getting that on with his older lady. It, it just, it's just like, okay, uh, we totally got fooled with this one. Just awful, just awful, awful, yeah. awful stuff. And then to spoil the, the whole end when, when a dude comes to save her and the baby at the end, 
knocks the dude out, and then this team to forget that there's there's two bad guys. <laughs> well, I'll just go untie her so that the woman can stab me through the face with a what was it a poker or whatever yeah. it was. I'm like really. <laughs> What about the what about the her husband who was wearing the worst dime store Bella Lugosi cape? I know. <laughs> Just awful. Uh, so so Mark, let's uh l- let's give your general thoughts on this. Uh, you you know I I saw po- so much potential and, and it never got there. It was one of those where you're sitting with lotion in one hand going what the hell. Uh, but for me, just just the horror events. It was like very few to none kills. I tried. I was trying, you know. And just when it it showed some hope, she's going down. And uh, what it got me was the size of this house. It was like the fucking TARDIS. It was like <laughs> it was like huge, which which threw me. I mean, she she's in one part of the house, and then she just. Opens the door, goes down the stairs, and there's a no whole other house. <laughs> I mean, yep. like, like living room and dining room, and there's furniture everywhere. And I'm like, where is this? Because I saw this shot from the outside, and I watched it a second time, going, okay, did I miss the scale of the house? No, I didn't. This is like mystery rooms. There's like <laughs> three, at least three or four floors to this this house, by what I counted last time I watched. Because there's the main floor, then there's a second floor which has a balcony that you can see down to the main floor then you walk upstairs to the the bedrooms and right. then there's the secret floor that's yeah. up above where the secret room with the mirror that that gave her visions to you know the witches back in the day right. and where uh Linda gets decapitated and all that jazz, and Ellsworth, the slickest mute butler, comes up and, you know, thwarts their plans. And then, and this was something I wanted to talk to you boys about and get an answer to, where the fuck did that final scene take place? What was Uh, it? It was um, like a stage in... It was never established. It was like, is this in a, a different place? Are they in that a different was in a ground? different part of the house, I think. Yeah, by um, that time, I think I gave up trying. To <laughs> where, where are they? Like, you know, it's just, it's just some other netherworld that they just pulled out of their ass at that. Point. Oh, watching this movie made me think back to high school days when I played D and D, having to map out the dungeons, going, no. <laughs> no, I need another shitty graph paper. <laughs> oh my god! No, oh I, god. I, I, I did enjoy where they kind of the last few minutes of it. You know, when they got into the part with the guy trying to save the family. I, I, I mean, I sort of enjoyed that part, but it took so long to get there that you didn't really care by that point. You know, and, it, and like Brian said, I think that you could tell there's like little hints of ideas. But they never go anywhere. It's like, oh, okay, we're going to explore this. No, we're not. We're dropping this idea, and we're moving on. No, this film was obviously shot in a week or, or, or less for a very minuscule budget. And when you shoot a film like that, you know the vast majority of that film is going to be someone walking around a house. Yeah. What is going to take the, less, the least amount of time and is going to fill up the most amount of space? And that's exactly what this film was almost the entire time. Now, I don't think this film was a complete piece of shit. Was it watchable? I thought so. I mean, compared to some of the other ones we're going to talk about, I think it was entirely. So yes. it was. I'll I'll honestly say, it was the best one. I, I'll oh, agree with no, you no. on that. But uh, I know Scott probably has some words on it. But no, I'll yeah. agree. 
<laughs> I'll agree with you on that one. That it was probably the the best, the most thought out one, which isn't saying much out of the four that we're looking at tonight. It's probably the most thought out one, and the one they actually had most clue on. Uh, the most well, because they on. modeled it completely after another movie, well, so yeah. it was just yeah, basically I mean, get from point A to point B to point C, yeah. and that was it. You know, it, what got me too was the part where she found out she's like, "My house burned down." Yeah. You, you know, oh, it's so <laughs> yeah. It's just like, oh, it happened a week ago. <laughs> she she didn't know her house burned. I'm like, how? How? Hi. Hello. Terrible fire last night. Terrible fire last night. That can't be. It burned down last week. <laughs> Maybe I'm crazy, but I saw that fire last night from the window across the street. That became like the big crux of like the big mystery. Not that the house burnt down. There was no question, but when it burnt down. Yeah. Who yeah. gives a shit? Yeah, it's gone. <laughs> We don't have to worry about that. So Scott, let's let's leave it up to you to wrap this up. What uh, what do you have to say about this? Well, let's just say, I mean, the only reason um, I can think of that why they can, could conceivably make sequels to this movie was because that poster, that cover art was great. I mean, it's a huge the selling point. Yes. The pentagram, and then if you look at this, is the one where she's like leaning back, and it looks all like sexy and stuff. That like is a total seller. In fact, I have some history with one of the later posters, which we'll I'll talk about later. Oh on. boy, <laughs> but, yeah, yeah, <laughs> foreshadowing. Anyway, but uh, you know, but they this film did the unforgivable crime. It's not that it was ripping off, you know, Rosemary's Baby, Omen, all these other kind of uh, demon baby type things that were in like the mid '60s and throughout the '70s. It was that it did it so poorly. It was boring. <laughs> I can forgive anything, but it was boring. It promised lots of like occult intrigue and possibly some like horror violence. Didn't deliver. It promised me tits. Didn't deliver. Big offense there. Um, <laughs> and, <laughs> and it's just a, a terribly boring movie. It starred uh, the woman who played Grace uh, was actually um, I don't know if you checked this out on the IMDb. I did. Uh, she. You remember the, you know, the actor Topol? Um, yeah, yeah. It's his yeah. daughter. Oh, no way. Topol's daughter or granddaughter or something. Wow. I swear to God, yup, uh, yubby, dibby, 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 dumb. That is his daughter. Holy <laughs> shit. Uh, and she do totally does not have her dad's talent, let me tell you. No, no, no one did. The, one of the funniest things I thought about her was every time they had her scream, let's start off with the birthing scene. She looks like Arnold Schwarzenegger <laughs> giving birth during that whole scene. The way that she yells, <laughs> and then later, like, remember the scene when, when she finds Linda's head floating and she starts just flipping out? Her hand right down her fucking, you know, throat. I mean, you saw like everything. It was crazy the way they shot that. 
That, it was crazy the way she shot that and that was, the, how far she went doing it. Yeah. Like, the, it, it, you think a director would have been like, okay, let's do that again, <laughs> but, but, don't, <laughs> but don't look like somebody's giving you a thumb up the ass. How about you look like, some, like you're actually terrified by something? I, I think by that point they were like, okay, this is the last scene of the night. Go. Okay, we're done. That's a wrap. Let's go. I, Let it all out. You know, and the camera guy's like, shouldn't we shoot that? No, fuck it. We're on a schedule. Let's go. <laughs> well, I think you nailed it. The Maybe one they thing... just told her she wasn't getting paid for the shoot. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Topol's daughter. We ran out of money. <laughs> well, the, the, what, the one, and the one thing that hasn't been mentioned yet is that 1988 straight-to-video movies were still a relatively new commodity. Usually they at least did a, like, yeah, a small run totally. in parts of the country, a few theaters. You know, Even Corman was having the stuff still go to theaters at that point. You know? But straight-to-video was rare. As, as like, a result of that, we, still, we had all these vid- horrible video effects. The fire cradle. Okay. <laughs> this was something I wanted to talk about. Yes. Because obviously... This film, this was shot on film. There's no doubt that this was shot on film and then posted on on tape because yeah. all of the transitions are horrible digital tape to tape transitions. All of the superimpositions are really bad toasted effects. Yeah. Um, it just like it was so blatantly obvious that this movie was done for as cheaply as humanly possible. Like I said, probably shot in like a week, then posted in like two weeks. Uh, it just like it, this thing just reeked of like the Corman school of let's shoot this as fast as possible <laughs> and crank this out because there's a need to fill shelves with product. And you know, putting a sexy cover out there on a tape uh, shelf at a mom and pop store at that time was going to sell like hotcakes. They were just yeah. going to take this thing and it was going to go. And I'm sure this movie was probably made. And I'm going to probably transition into the second one now. But because the first one, I, I, I don't have the numbers. I couldn't find them. But the second movie, and this will give you an estimate of business that this movie did. I'm sure Witchcraft 1 did crazy business. Just because of the time frame it was made in 1988. And at that time, mom and pop video stores, when stuff like this got onto those shelves, people were clamoring for it. And this something like this that was mildly sexy appealed to that demographic of guys that were going and renting all of these, you know, TNA slasher slash, you know, sexy thrillers, sexy horror, sexy horror comedies like Fred Olin Ray stuff and all of that. And um, the second film, its budget, Witchcraft 2, The Temptress, that was made two years later in 1990, had a budget of $80,000, and you can rest assured that the vast majority of that was for film and processing, and made back $1 million. Get out! No so way. you know why these, why this series, oh. it, was, it, it is a product oh. of its time. Oh, now, uh, now, what the explanation is to why, when it, once it hit like the 2000s, why it kept going, I'd love to hear an explanation, and maybe wow. once we reach that point, I can find somebody that was involved that can kind of talk to that point. But you know, it, the early stages, these first four films, this was just pure business. This was just oh. like these films were this the second one was made in 13 days, budget of $80,000, made 1 million back. That, that is, is insane. license license to print money. 
complete yeah. license to print money. So regardless of the quality of number one, which I felt was probably the best of the four that we watched, as soon as they saw the numbers come back, which I'm sure all they had to do was put a product with a nice cover on the shelf that it was going to make its money back and then some. Once they saw that, like, okay, we got to crank one out. And every single one of these subsequent sequels were made one year later mm-hmm. by somebody new. So you know that they were young directors looking to get their foot in the business. So they didn't probably pay them jack or shit, and they just made bank on these motherfuckers. So um, any last words on Witchcraft 1, or do you guys want to go on to Witchcraft 2? Just just going to be like just the voice of dissent here, because a couple of you guys have said that it's... uh, you thought it was the, probably the best of these first four. I actually thought it was the worst. Really? Wow, I, that's oh. interesting. Cause, well, they could, no, because this thing bored me so much. And it oh, that one, yeah. Nothing. Okay. It offered nothing. Sure. So, I think I have to lean closer to you, actually, as well. I have to agree with you that, that, that it wasn't my favorite and probably borderline on my least favorite just because... See, though, the, 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 the whole thing say which one's better than which, this comes down to... No, that wasn't the most uncomfortable shit I've ever had. (laughs) I was wondering when you were going to show up. I had hoped this day would never come. You were only a caretaker. I was much more than that. He must fulfill his destiny. He's no longer yours. with the pure spirit now. He'll have nothing to do with you. Men, boys, they have desires. They can't control themselves. He'll fight you. Three boxes, three nights. On the third night, William shall ascend the throne, whether he's willing or not. Move on to the second crap of the night, which is Witchcraft 2, The Temptress, made in 1990. Now, this film, which took the boring kind of straight-lay, straightforward kind of supernatural thriller that was Witchcraft 1 and decided, let's go straight exploitation with this. We're going to actually, we had a cover, you know, it's called The Temptress, so they have a blonde, you know, bombshell with her tits kind of hanging, almost hanging out on the cover, creeping toward the viewer, and uh, they went there, kind of. Now, now, what this movie was about is, here's the synopsis, the witches are back to make William, William who was the baby in first one, now, now, which, you know, if you were to look at the two films, they look like they were shot months apart now he's like 18 or 20 or 25 it's never really explained is he in high school is he in college who the fuck knows all all this all we know is that now he's living with 
parents, which obviously aren't his, adopted parents, and uh, he has the this next door neighbor who's this hot blondie with with a huge rack and just wears scantily clad clothing all the time and is over trying to just you know she's she's basically a cougar trying to get in his pants but she is actually the the witch mother she has possessed this neighbor and is trying to to stir awake the stir warlock away, yeah. powers in yeah. order for him to become the grand master of evil yeah. So trying to awaken the demon powers within him so he'll be the leader of the evil witches on earth and bring about destruction in the apocalypse. But his his white witch parents who are Jay Richardson, yeah, who yeah. I love Jay Richardson and uh obviously he was in our documentary Screaming in High Heels, total staple of late 80s early 90s titty comedy horrors. Total fun guy. I, I love that he was in this, but he got nothing to do. He was barely in it. But his parents and his nicely titted girlfriend <laughs> and and her bumbling idiot priest dad are trying to help him fight against the the, the blonde evil seductress. So the temptress to Scott, what were your thoughts about this one? Actually, I thought this this might might have been my favorite of the four. It's not great. Don't take don't take that to bed. But I actually didn't hate it, which was the weird thing. I didn't. It hate was this kind one. of fun. Yeah, because it because they actually seem to take the the lesson that okay, what sold the first one was the cover. We better actually do some of that stuff now. And they they were still a little bit squeamish about the sex and about the violence and stuff like that. But they did have it in there. But and let me let me stop you there for just a second. One of the main problems I have with it, yes, they bring it, but it's a major TNA fail because there are only two sightings of tits. The first one happens at 28 minutes, and the second one happens at an hour and 28 minutes. Yeah. That is blue ball material. <laughs> that is bullshit. So, yeah, they, they brought it, but they might as well have not. You do also have the uh, bra and panty sexual assault, though. Yes. The ghostly sexual assault, which, yes. come on, high point of the movie? High point? Yes. Yeah. Uh, There's also a rubbing masturbation scene where the, the lead seductress is at home rubbing herself to, to bad, like... Uh, Roundies Van Halen. But yeah, it's it's. I mean, I actually liked some that it tried to bring some exploitation elements to the story, and I kind of liked that. Uh, it wasn't a great movie, but it, like like um like you guys were saying, there are some good ideas here, and they weren't fully realized. There were a couple surprises, like for instance, there's a well, I guess this is going to be a spoilery uh, podcast. No, go right ahead. We can spoil the hell out of this. I I don't really care. People want to watch them, they can go ahead and watch them, but I I think it'd be, it's a lot more fun if we do actually sit and talk through these. I thought the the nerdy girl character was going to be like a major player for most of the movie. The most pointless character in the entire series. What was her point? Did she... Well, that was the thing is that they had this whole big thing like, oh, and I'll do this for you, and I'll get all this information for you, and okay, but you have to tell your friend Boomer. What's it worth to you? I'll make you a deal. I'll translate this for you if you can get Boomer to take me to the medieval Italian tomb sculpture exhibit at the museum. Yeah, no problem. (laughs) Boomer will love it. Great. 
I'll get on this right away and I'll call you to the house later. Oh, I'll be at Michelle's. Okay. Later. Bumbling like Ozzy them. Osbourne loving friend who who is there just as typical eighties comic relief who is a yeah. complete idiot. She 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 does this favor and does all this backstory on this amulet for William. She's basically just exposition. That's all she's yeah. there for. Do you think this bum, bumbling idiot is going to take this chick to a fucking museum? No, no. But then it doesn't matter because you think that, okay, well, she's going to at least like make it through like an hour of this movie or something like that. No, she's like whipped out of a window yeah. like 20 yeah. minutes oh, into hey, the film. Let's, let's, be, let's clarify this. Her male stunt double is <laughs> thrown through the window. <laughs> Wait, that wasn't that wasn't a, that wasn't her. Uh, it was sort of like the scene where uh, Elizabeth Gatane gets thrown through the window, and uh, I was think Friday the Thirteenth Part Seven. Yeah, it's a, yeah, yeah, and it's a dude like, with you know, a wig. Like, <laughs> you see, like, like, and she like just totally hits the, and and I think she like drops and like lands at at the main character and Boomer's feet. Yeah, uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, like great and aim. So, it had, yeah, it had elements like that where I could kind of like be surprised by it and chuckle at it, and I, so I appreciated that. There were other parts I really didn't like. For instance, the temptress of the of the thing. Um, uh, oh come Julia, on, now she was the best part of the whole fucking movie. Oh, I didn't like. I, I, she was unintentionally funny. Uh, Delia Shepard. She was unintentionally. Funny. But you know that whole thing where they have like you know two two three-inch nails that look like claws and stuff like that, and <laughs> it looks like they, it looks like they had, like, they, it looks like you'd have to, like, take, like, a, like a putty knife to, like, scrape all the makeup off of That's, like, not, that's just totally, that's, like, I guess it's, like, a thing. It just doesn't get my motor running. I got, um, I got a note, I got a note. Brian, what did you think of the temperatures? What did you think, what did you think of her character? Dude, I loved her. I knew this. See, that's why I wanted to talk to you about this. I knew, and the thing is, I knew I would feel the same way as you did because it's just high camp. She oh, is totally that's awesome. camp, dude. Oh, I'm saying, yeah, I'm not saying she's not campy. I mean, it was un- she was unintentionally funny, and so I like, but she wasn't like sexy or anything like that. Oh, are you kidding me? She had some great knockers. Yeah, no, no, she was, she was sexy in a very kind of exploded Marilyn Monroe with a bad accent way. Right. Well, and, her, and the funny thing is, every time she did her her quote, air quotes powers, was was like her rolling her head or, or yeah. doing the finger powers. And, that was and, and, awesome. And, yeah, it was totally like, it made me laugh every single time. And she's trying to seduce him by by licking him. And, uh, Dude, that tongue, her tongue, what the yeah. fuck was she doing? Like she, that was like a super weapon. Like the way she was like <laughs> she was around subtle. her the outside of her mouth. <laughs> that was not subtle. No, dude, she goes the ladder in heels. I mean, she, she went to school for that. Oh so. yeah, she's, she <laughs> was know? classically trained in that in was tongue like darting. Gymnics shit in Sweden. She was at some like high alp, you know, thing snowy alp, alp tongue with with. <laughs> With with sensei pot prostitute mama learning that shit. Go Those ahead. sexy girls who can who can you know tie the the, the yeah the knot. She could like you know tie the cherry in a knot and give you a castration. <laughs> <laughs> the, that chick was something tongue. else. Yeah. Well, let's also talk about 
the the amazing ass ladder scene yeah, where she's yes. cleaning out her gutters for some unknown reason. Oh yeah. And William William has to come over and hold her ass while she does it. Do you think that this do you think he this was, maneuver was OSHA approved? You think this is the OSHA approved way of spotting a woman on a ladder? Oh yeah, she's like, like she was like presenting to him, you know? <laughs> like you know, like like something on National Geographic. It's like it's like, oh you got me steady, like yeah. <laughs> Can I help you? I'm sorry, I thought you were falling. Is that right? Well, now that you mention it, I feel a little unstable up here. Do you think you could steady me until I'm finished? A little higher. Much better. Oh. I mean, there are certain. My, I think my favorite special effect of hers, though, was when she uh, put Jay Richardson in a trance by throwing glitter on him. Yes. Yeah. That was yeah. my <laughs> <laughs> She that was awesome. Taurus. Oh, he's, uh, he's feeling like that, Taurus. Will you? Will? Down for a second, will you, son? Oh, hi. Is everything okay? Anything I can do? It's just going to take some time. wonder where his mother is. I just saw her at the church. Well, I'll go get her. I'll keep William company until you come back. Thank you. And seriously, yeah, I said the first one was the best, and I'm talking in a traditional film sense, but if we're talking pure camp and, and hilarity, part two was the best of these, yeah. these yeah. four films. Because it was just... It wasn't the best in matters of, like, in terms of plot, because it basically it, it had no idea what the fuck it was at any point. But just like the elements, this the like the campy elements of it were super ridiculous. But the unfortunate part I thought was that there were in between these parts, it just so abysmally boring and so stupid they were like like the nerd character and boomer were totally pointless they could have cut them out and there would have been you wouldn't have missed them at all and you know what the funniest thing right off the bat this movie totally shits the bed and the way it totally shits the bed is it gives you a title screen that isn't even fucking matted right yeah you can see the fucking <laughs> the the orange on the sides where where the witchcraft logo it, it shines through orange and there's a black mat over top of it. You it's improperly matted. It's like they didn't even give a fuck. No, they couldn't have just bumped it up ten percent and like covered those. It's just fucking awful. Just horribly fucking awful. And then his, uh, William and his girlfriend have uh, uh, like pentagrams written on you know when they got possessed and it looks like they were written in jelly on their chest. <laughs> yeah. And uh, and then there's awful special effects like the priest who runs into the digital firewall. Oh my god, just you know, so got, much. I want to just talk just a couple things about this before we move on to the other people because I got to talk about uh, Charles Solomon Jr. Oh. Who, is going, who is going to yes. show up in the next two as well. I, he, this is you know he he's first of all he's playing he. A couple years have passed, but you know he's now like eighteen. He looks thirty. I can't. Is find that what he's supposed to be? Is he supposed to be in high school? Yeah, he's about to leave for college. Yeah, he's leaving for college. Yeah. Okay. All right. So he's definitely eighteen at least. And um, 
I've been, you know, I've been to his website. I've been ev- uh, to Facebook, everything, trying to find an age for this guy. He's not on. It's not on the IMDb. Can't find it, but he's like, looks like he's like around thirty. He's still working, you know. God bless him. He's still working. Yeah, he's horrible in these, but he kind of has a career, right? He's terrible. He no, he's he's doing a lot of stuff behind the scenes now too. Oh, okay, but, but I thought he um, went on to do a, a handful of things, so which I was surprised about because he's so bad. He is things. the most wooden of actors. He's very wooden until he has to show angst, and then it is the most over. We were talking about the Topol chick, the most overwrought angst, like when like. He just like has this like scream when he realizes his destiny and stuff. It just set me like in hysterics. I rewound it like three times. Dude, there was a line where he was having that conversation at the dinner table with Jay Richardson, and uh, there was something that was said. Jay Richardson said something, and then all of a sudden he looks over at him and goes, "I'm a man now, Dad." <laughs> And it was just like, oh my fucking god, oh my fucking god, who wrote this shit? Mark, what do you think? Uh, it was the most campy. It felt like they, uh, with the first one, they were ripping off Rosemary's Baby. This one, they were trying to rip off the teenage slasher. In this was it, one, was it Fright Night a little bit too? Like a the, little bit, yeah. Yeah, I think so. the, I yeah think so. there was there was a big Fright Night vibe coming from this, and uh, I. It did have more campy moments than than the first one, uh, but it was still it was tough to get through. Again, yeah, it was because of of Junior there, the, the kid just oh, such a wooden actor. He didn't buy into anything, and you, you know he's got this really attractive girlfriend. Yeah, he, yeah. I, I'm very sorry, cute, he was very hot. cute. You know, and he's <laughs> acting like you know. I, I mean, the guys in Birdemic acted better than this guy, okay? Uh-huh. They were blatantly trying to be bad. And this one, he just, someone was with the cue cards off off camera showing them to him, saying, here, read this line, you know? And I, I just didn't, ah. Uh. And then, like you said, they had every teenager cliche in here. It really was them, I feel, trying to go for that Fright Night teenage slasher vibe now that they had gotten the rosemary baby ripoff done now they were trying to do you know uh, a, a similar film to the teenage to the teenager uh, killer paranormal film you know with like fright night and that and still doing it horribly still not getting it right and uh, yeah the one girl i really liked the bookworm girl unfortunately she didn't last long and after that you know, she was the most interesting character. I'm like, okay, I see where they're going with this, and then she's like dead, and I'm like, oh, yeah. That took me by surprise. I was a little disappointed, but it did take me by surprise. So most Point. pointless character in the whole fucking movie. <laughs> she's the most interesting, though. <laughs> in what way? All she did was provide exposition. She goes well, to the library to, to for some reason, thinking then... under some false guise that Boomer, this complete fucking moron, is going to take her to a museum if she like digs up all this arcane like knowledge on this stupid box or whatever the fuck it is. And then she, Smart the, girls are her hot. male stunt double gets thrown off. <laughs> <up. laughs> so but what's the would... fucking point? I know she had no point, but I, that doesn't make her not that la- less interesting. At least she was doing something. At okay, Mark, she... I want you to be honest with me. You just like chicks with glasses. You yes, just, okay, you, yeah, yeah. you're right. Yep. There you go. There you're you're right. You can be yeah, honest, that was all right. I, I'll say it. It was the chicks with glasses thing. <laughs> but, I mean, at least she had some personality. 
She had some personality, at least. Maybe stupidity, but she at least had something compared to the majority of the other actors here who I well, felt were, were reading the lines off their eyelids. Yeah, you know? I mean, come on now. Delia had two personalities. Or four, depending on, you know, what <laughs> you know, angle you're looking at her. But, True. I, I mean, <laughs> it was the campy, it was the teenage uh, slasher of the series. That, yeah. You know, the teenage yeah. trying to be with the, all the cliche characters in it, and for the most part, yeah, the camp part was the it was more enjoyable in that respect than the first one. The first one just seemed at least out of the two the most thought out, which isn't saying much, but no, it, it, it really seemed, isn't. It, but at least the first one did seem to have things a little more thought out than this one. This one really felt rushed. After you know, they must have said, "Oh, we made money on the first one. We better get the second one out. Crank it." You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, this was well. It's obviously, it was shot in fourteen days, so you know yeah. this thing was just cranked out. Glenn, what were your thoughts on this one? Well, okay, yes, it was campy. I don't think this was a, a campy version of a teen slasher or anything. I mean, obviously, what you're missing is this is obviously a well thought out homage to The Graduate, with the whole older woman and the you know. Yeah. No. Yeah, 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 yeah. Wow, you're digging. Yeah. Yes, it was campy. I, the one thing I did like about Charlie Solomon is some of the facial expressions. His acting's terrible, but he's yeah. got some great facial expressions when he reacts to some stuff. Those little bits I laughed at. The rest of the movie, I mean, I might be getting this wrong because I watched all four of these in one night. Holy fuck! You fucking hate yourself. Oh, I do. And there's like there's the scene where he's got like the the pentagram on his body. That looks like the jelly gram. Yeah, the jelly gram. Yeah, the jelly gram. Yeah, it's like I'm like just we need something on. Does anybody have have a marker? There we go. Done. (laughs) And I did I did appreciate the. How are we going to end this movie? I don't know. Let's make it like a rock video. Because <laughs> that's kind of how I feel the end of the movie was. It's like they just said, I, I'm out of ideas. Let's just copy, you know, a Quiet Riot video from the 80s. <laughs> Shine a bright light <laughs> through the door and have them ride around. And then, okay, this is, um, it's great you brought this up. Because I wanted to ask you guys, what the fuck was the actual ending? Like that ending no where they're idea. doing the crossfades where they're in opposite ends of the room and they're constantly changing. What the fuck was that? Oh, that's obviously they were trying to do some kind of French art house crap. That's the first thing I thought. I'm like, did I suddenly start watching a different movie? I was expecting them, you know, just to say things like, you know, the plum or something, you know, just to become all art- artsy on me. And I'm not doing what the fuck? Yeah, that whole incident like, movie. Just I would have loved like French art house for like two loved, minutes. I would have loved this movie had they ended the whole movie with it just saying the plum. <laughs> the plum. <laughs> Witchcraft too. Yeah, the that's plum. in French, so whatever you know, the French word for plum is. So, <laughs> I have I have no fucking idea, Brian. Come on, I can't. I've been waiting to hear what you have to say about this movie all week, dude. You know what? I was the. I would watch anything in the like the eighties and the nineties. Not for the director, not for the video box cover so much, but if it was it was for the actresses in them. Yeah, you, know, you know, for for the screen queens right. and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. And Delia Delia Shepard was in a ton of those bad TNA, you know, films around this time. And um, 
she made the movie for me, you know, and it was cool to see Jay Richardson. Granted, you know, as has been said constantly throughout this conversation, you know, there are a couple good things. I did love, I did love the whole, you know, nerdy girl fly out of the window thing. Del- Delia Shepard really made this for me. But she's not a talented woman. No. But she's got an amazing, you know, Rack. presence. Yeah, yeah, there. <laughs> Um, <laughs> but, but she's got some charisma and presence, sure. and uh, you, you know, she's she's your uh, Playboy model next door, you know. Cause, yeah. uh, and uh, so yeah, so, so, I, so she made it for me. Otherwise, it was it was just yeah, kind of you know, my my favorite thing about all these movies once Will Spanner becomes older is like he always talks about his powers like here he's found his powers and the next one he's gotta like keep his powers hidden and then the, the fourth one he's got him under control but the thing is he doesn't have any powers all they do is beat the shit out of each other <laughs> yeah yeah yep. yeah yes. that's zero amazing. fucking powers there's no powers it's just it's just a fight scene and well, oh my powers finally release themselves <laughs> yeah his so chance to able for to understand the meaning of you know it, it's all they he it's just they're just like poorly choreographed um fight scenes it's crazy yeah. well, oh, that's and they get worse and they get worse yeah. each of these films it's like i think mark brought up a really good point about this and i think each of these films the the producers what was popular at that time let's ape that film and we'll just toss in this one character in this story first first film was rosemary's baby this film was fright night the next film was like okay i don't want to get too far ahead but the next film it was like an episode of matlock it was just like it was just each of these fucking films were just aping something and uh i gotta agree though that the temptress it was it was probably the most fun of the the four of these films that we watched and uh that that temptress uh actress she was just like chewed up scenery every time she was on screen was it was just like, comic book villainous come to life oh I mean, absolutely she at least was trying to play a character, you know, as most people seem to be going through the paces, uh, just like with the nerdy girl was actually someone who was, try- you know, they, they wrote her to be actually doing something. The yeah, Tempress- I like the nerdy girl. I yeah, I, I like I I her. Guys. I like the nerdy girl. And, and I like the temptress in the fact that she was at least trying to be something rather than someone reading lines you know Uh-oh. so yeah you mean she actually knew her lines yeah she actually knew her lines and was trying to you know be a character rather than someone just getting their paycheck oh man <laughs> Speaking about paychecks, let's move on to fucking Witchcraft 3, The Kiss of Death. I studied law for one very long semester. Just couldn't take it seriously. All that and justice for all. Come on, who are we kidding, William? It has its merits. I think he means its rewards. You don't look like you're hurting too badly. Baseball has been very, very good to me. Baseball? I thought you said you were in real estate. It's a joke, Philly boy. I sell real estate and I bet on baseball. I've never been to a baseball game. Really? Yeah. Neither of the teams I've been betting on. 
we get another round, please? No, sorry, I've got to get going. Oh. No way, Billy Boy. Well, at least let me pay half. My treat. I got to keep the lady company. No, I better be going, too. Well, okay. How about I walk you home? For safety's sake. I will subtitle this film Matlock Warlock Lawyer. Um, <laughs> this film, this film, I got to be 100% honest, was an absolute fucking chore to watch. Um, the synopsis for this film is a demon is sucking the life out of local women by kissing them and parasitically putting it into his girlfriend. William, warlock lawyer, must stop him if he can find the time between taking bullshit cases and his needy, child-wanting <laughs> girlfriend. Wow, I didn't know IMDb wrote stuff up like that. No, that's, that's, the, that's the Derek Carey Astro Radio Z uh, synopsis of uh, Witchcraft 3, Kiss of Death. This film is just like, it had no idea what the fuck it wanted to be. I think at this point, he becomes this lawyer character. You know, we zoom past in the future, which I'm guessing is 10 more years to where he's an established <laughs> lawyer or he's like this. Is he supposed to be a, uh, a public defender? I, I, I think. I think I, I, so. Is it the woman who was so bitchy to him? It Wasn't she the public defender? Yeah. yeah no, no, no. Public, yeah, she was a public defender and he's just like the lowly, like he was just Defense attorney. Out. He yeah, was defense just, attorney. Yeah, 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 yeah. She's like the prosecuting attorney. I, I, I took him as like somebody who is like probably taking all these like trying to like you know, write these wrongs and like really take these. You know, be the guy who like takes the wrongfully accused and stuff like that, like a Matlock type. Yeah, thing. totally, totally. And that whole subplot. This is the thing that this movie had like four different subplots. None of them made any sense, and none of them even mattered. He, all they had to do was establish that he was a lawyer, and that during the day he went and did lawyerly stuff, and then the the main plot should have just been him trying to you know fight this demon guy that's sucking the life out of these women around town at bars yeah. and then putting he he t sucked the life force out and then put him into his girlfriend in some weird relationship where she meet, depended on him for for life what were the good parts of this i'm just going to break this down for you guys this is what i thought the good parts of this movie were all of the women were good looking. Every <laughs> single last one of them were really good looking. But but probably the biggest plus in this film, at six minutes and thirty seconds, we learn that Scott Davis is a badass associate producer. <laughs> Do you have anything to say about this, Scott Davis? Well, you know, it was you know, it was the early nineties, you know, everything was looking rosy. Um, so I was, you know, I was all about like trying to get into the film business and, you know, there I was, you know, I was like 16 years old and they said, yep, bring it on. So I gotta be honest, Scott, how many bricks did you shit when you saw that? I laughed really hard because, I mean, it's a, it's a common name. It's a common yeah. name. I got a really common name, but it's still funny to see it in like associate producer Scott Davis, especially since like later on, like about maybe uh, just under ten years after that, in like TV news, I actually was working as an associate producer. So <laughs> I was like, so I see associate producer Scott Davis. Oh, and I also played the waiter in this movie. Yes, <laughs> yes, that is correct. That is correct. That was that was that was kind of funny. I was yeah, like, Damn. yeah, I thought that was really humorous. And the only other thing that I thought was good in this film 
was the final line that's spoken in this film by William after he defeats the demon is my name's not Billy Boy. <laughs> and then he walks away. And that's the end of the fiend. End of the fucking movie. It was just the most ridiculous thing. What was bad about this movie? Every fucking last thing else that was going on in this film. This film was a typical 90s Skinamax film. Super generic. The, one of the weirdest things I thought that started right off the bat was this demon character. They set the first scene. They set um, this guy. He's at a club, and he's talking to this uh, nice-looking girl, and he leads her out into like the back of the bar, into this alleyway, and this chick is totally ready to fuck him on a pile of garbage. Yeah, like, I know. What the hell was <laughs> wrong with her? Yeah, aim high, girl. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> So we start off weird like that. William, his character now, is just like, at this point, I think they would have been better off just making this a syndicated TV series. Because mm-hmm. it's essentially set up in the same way like a Matlock was, like I said before. Um, his job subplot is the most pointless thing ever, where he's defending this this uh, African-American kid who's been accused of murdering his neighbor. And uh, the only reason they even introduce this plot is because his priest, which is like a voodoo priest, is the guy who ends up convincing William that he he's got to you know harness his powers and use them. And which we all know he has zero fucking powers to do a single fucking thing. William in this movie is a complete total fucking baby. He won't commit to his pushy girlfriend who wants a baby. She's just like got baby fever up the fucking wazoo. But funny. but the yeah. funny thing is he doesn't want to commit to her. He's confused. But he gets pissed when she wants to rub up on the demon dude because uh, Bill uh, William doesn't want to fuck her. Yeah. So it's just like, dude, what the fuck's wrong with you? And then he learns that it, his power comes from the goodness of his heart. And uh, it just, oh my god. The biggest offense, other than, you know, the last battle, which basically takes place in a laundry closet, was, <laughs> um, was that this film obviously was called Kiss of Death. There are no tits until the hour mark of this film. Again, it's sold as a TNA film, and there's nothing until an hour in. Oh, this movie is just a big bowl of boring (laughs) fail. There's just nothing going on in this movie. Brian, what did you think about this thing? Just the thing that uh, overwhelming the most was just, like, the sheer laziness. I, I mean, they had... Any of these films have had little plot points that could have been turned into something, mm-hmm. and and they just put the bare minimum not, not there. The thing that, I don't know why this frustrated me so bad, was they spent so much time on him trying to help the kid, so much time was spent on that plot point, and if I'm not mistaken, it, unless I missed something, it was resolved off screen, like you said, the yeah. only point was to kind of get the, the, the voodoo grandpa, which could have been done you know number of ways. But yeah, I was just like, you spent all this time developing the story where he's helping this kid, and this kid is innocent, and it's just like an, you know, you find out later off, you know, that off camera, the husband has confessed to killing the wife, and yeah. the the kid disappears. I'm like, that was the thing. I was, I was like, what? Yeah, totally pointless. That is just, totally pointless. That is poor filmmaking, poor plot making, just kind of. Oh, lazy. Lazy ass, you know. But he got his exercise because he went up the stairs to that court like 
15 times throughout the film. <laughs> I'm like, dude, move your office. He's like constantly going up yep. the stairs to, to court. <laughs> and then we have that yeah. fucking typical fucking battle between the older lawyer, which was that female, who was busting his balls, and him being the overtly earnest wanting to help the public, you know, the little man subplot, which was just like a, so torturous to sit through. Because they were just... It, Everything. I liked it when she got hit by the car. (laughs) That was the most most exciting part of the movie. Call an ambulance. She stood right in front of the car. What the hell were you doing? You should have seen her. Well, we didn't. I'm sorry. Okay, let's not stand around here arguing all night. I'm cold. And I don't feel so well. Billy boy, go on home. We'll take care of this. You can't afford to get yourself caught up in this mess. I can't just leave. She's badly injured. Don't be a jerk. This could ruin your whole career. I'm not really worried about my career right now. William, you had nothing to do with this. There's no reason for you to stay here. So why don't you just leave, okay? We'll take her to the hospital. Don't worry, we'll keep your name out of it. It hasn't dawned on him at all that they drove up in his car. Right, right. I mean, he, Completely. He doesn't, he doesn't question this. Well, you know, he, he's an idiot. Like, who would, you know, any normal guy would go, no, we better call the police. Oh, no, we better put her in our car because we don't want your name, you know, associated with this. And just, I'm like, yeah. William, don't worry. You're please, we'll take care of this in your car. Just go walk home, please. <laughs> You're not a very smart lawyer, dude. <laughs> the worst. The absolute worst. Let's talk about our Christian voodoo priest who works out of a Catholic church. Uh, <laughs> I'm sorry. At least he was leaving the altar boys alone, Mark. You mean, you mean the guy who... the altar boys alone. Yeah, totally. You mean the guy who hangs out at, at random dudes' houses in the bushes at night to jump out just to give, you know, just to tell them, you need to harness your powers. I'd be like, dude, you're, you're like a fucking rapist in the dark. Get the fuck off of my property. Oh, my fucking God. Glenn, could, could, did you even make it through this film? Did you just want to, like, gouge your eyeballs out? Man, um, well, I mean... You take out the flashbacks, you take out the lawyer stuff, and you have about a nine-minute movie that culminates in the worst fight scene ever put on film. In, the, swear, in the broom closet? God, I, I, I need to go back and watch, because I swear it, it almost seems like they're like almost pausing a little fight like to look back at the camera going, are we still filming? Are we still fighting? Because we're kind of rolling here, but I'm yeah. not into Laundry's it. falling on them. Going. Clothes racks. Yes, and, and that's one thing is, I know now I've never been in that kind of fight. I've been in, I was a balance, so I had my little bit of scuffles, but I've never thought that if I'm in a fight, I'm going to go, I could keep fighting the was trying to kill me, or I could take the time to move this little piece of clothing that fell on my back. <laughs> I'm going to push this out of the way because that's bugging me during my fight scene here. <laughs> Fighting for my life, but this coat's in my way. So I'm going to move it. How about yeah, once the, the uh, fight is resolved? What about once the fight is resolved and he goes to check at, uh, you know, his girlfriend and the first thing he does is look at a rack. 
Like yeah. he goes over and he opens her shirt, and I know we're supposed to see that the the little burn spot or like the soul, the the minus soul is gone on her chest, but it just looks like he's looking at her tits, making sure that her tits are okay. What would you True. think? What of, of the girl too? She's tied down. She's about to be sacrificed, and she's laying there like, oh. They're fighting. Oh, yeah. I mean, she's like not struggling. She's, she's in shock. Really she's in Eddie. shock, Mark. She yeah. she's, in shock. she's like, what did my agent do to me? He got me in this piece of shit movie. <laughs> they woke her up for a 6 a.m. Uh, camera call yeah. is what they did, and she just laid back down and said, I'll be here. She had just uh -huh. a 24-hour shift at the 7-Eleven, and they, you know, <laughs> brought her on the set. She was practically catatonic, you know, because they weren't paying her to be in this. Dude, I, I have to say, what amazes me is how they still have money to keep. I mean, as you said, Derek, you know how they made a million bucks in the second one, but I'm amazed they still had money because with the teasing they do of the it's going to be a skin flick, and it almost never is, that they mm -hmm. didn't get sued by Jurgens and Kleenex at this point <laughs> for, for damaging the sales. 14 year old me would watch, I would have watched it and been like, Pissed. Oh, completely fucking I spent pissed. Half my allowance on, or, sorry, I spent half my friend's allowance on this because he's one of the only <laughs> in the movies. Yeah. Well, and they bring in, they make a point to bring in, like, Roundy's Monique Gabrielle as, like, his girlfriend. And she just, like, yeah, that final scene is, is essentially just, like, all of the TNA is tossed into that final scene. But do we get to actually see anything more than a few fleeting? Uh, glimpses of, you know, the TNA. No, we just end up watching five minutes of these two guys tussle around in a fucking, like, in somebody's closet with clothes falling on them. It's the worst fucking ending. This whole movie was a complete waste of fucking time. Mark, you want you want to give your thoughts real quick? You know, I think everybody pretty well summed it up well. It was a mess. I mean, the girl in here, you know, she... What got me was they tried to play this romance angle with his girlfriend, and it was like sitting there going, she's surprised that her boyfriend's upset because she's all up in the shower with Warlock Boy. You, you know, she's like, you know, she's acting, her, she's like, why are, you know, their, their, their whole relationship was just so awful. I'm like, why is he even bothered? Let her get sacrificed. And it's witchcraft. The, the, the title's Witchcraft. And there's and, none. And we're in the third episode, ep episode of this long TV series, and there was no... There was a magic staff for, like, three seconds. There's your witchcraft. From a voodoo priest. From a voodoo priest who, you know, sides as a Catholic priest in his day job. Uh, you know, he just... Yeah, yeah, I don't know. It was a mess. It, what about it, the voodoo priest's wife who didn't seem concerned that her husband died at all? Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, he died, by the way. Here, you got to do this. Here's here's this here, staff. He died. But please, come here. I want to give you this weapon to... I'm not going to grieve. I'm going to give you this weapon so you can defeat this stupid demon that's just killing all of the stupid bar women in the entire city. <laughs> just, uh... You know, it, it didn't even have good good makeup effects when 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 Zombie Girl that he was feeding these souls to wasn't getting some. It, it just, ah, oh, yeah, it was a mess. It oh was my truly, god, truly a mess. Associate producer Scott Davis, please tell me <laughs> your, your thoughts on 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 your experiences with uh, Witchcraft Three: Kiss of Death. Well, and any I behind have... the scenes hijinks, please. Okay, let me tell you. Well, the, well, 
let's just stop. Let's just stop pretending that I was actually, you know, on the crew of this film for a second. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> I don't want to associate myself at all with this. No. <laughs> but no, seriously, I. Uh, I actually do have history with this movie. There's two witchcraft films that I do have previous history, and that's three and four. I was at, uh, you remember our old, the video store I was <laughs> a few weeks ago or whatever. Yeah, Video uh, Oasis. Yeah, and I, well, I was actually back then, I was, and, I, and I was actually working on, uh, go, always going to this place called Video Merchant, and they'd always give me the posters that they didn't want to hang up in the store. Because I was always in there. And so they gave me this thing, and it was the poster to Witchcraft 3. And I'd never heard of Witchcraft 1 and 2. And I looked at this, I said, what is this? Because it's got the pentagram, it's got a Roman numeral, and it's got two people banging on the cover. I'm like, you know, I'm 16 years old, so I'm like, you know, hello. And I was like, oh, I can't even do this. So, you know, one of those sleepovers that I was telling you about where I always, like, try to show the kids at the private schools that I had to go to, you know, something really satanic and stuff so that the, so, that, so that their <laughs> parents could really fucking hate me even more. Uh, <laughs> I said, we're going to get Witchcraft 3, you know, because it's got, you know, Satan and tits, you know, two things that your dad told you to stay away from. <laughs> and we got this, and I do remember, I'd forgotten everything about this film, except for the part where uh, she walks in or he walks in or somebody walks in and the d- doggy style thing. And the yeah. guy just the guy just looks up. This is like the the de- demonic guy. He just looks up as he's like without breaking rhythm or anything. Just says welcome, welcome, and he just goes <laughs> without breaking stride or anything. And I remember, you know, as a teenager, where you know, just you know, kind of entering that part of my life where I was happy if I could, you know, give a gal the best twenty seconds of her life. You know, at that point, <laughs> you know. I remember thinking, like, dude, how'd he do that? <laughs> you, had to, you had to build that into your repertoire? Yeah, like, I got to do that. Next time, I just got to, like, you know, you know, if I'm ever going to town and the, the doorbell rings, come in. <laughs> <You know? laughs> oh, my Jesus. But anyway, but this film really is bad because that was the only thing I remembered, I, aside from the fact that it, we were disappointed. And I watched it again, and I realized, oh, this is why we were disappointed. Because there really isn't a whole lot of titillation. There really isn't a whole lot of action. The best stories in it were, with the most potential, were the uh, court case, which has nothing to do with anything, and the guy sucking the life force out of the women. No, instead they have this thing where he, where the, like, sucker guy and his you know girlfriend wind up being best friends with Will Spanner <laughs> which I didn't buy at all because they no, just met in a bar no. and they kind of had like no. basic conversation they you know, don't get a sense that they hit it off at all but suddenly he's like the best friend he's like popping down in his face saying hey Billy boy and all that stuff and, yeah, and what about how he all of a sudden will leaves his keys or his wallet? You know, the typical yeah, I want to meet wallet. you again. I'm oh, going to leave God. my wallet at a fucking bar. Right, that happened. But he, so the 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 demon sucker guy goes to his house. His uh, William's girlfriend is a professional photographer, or no? She's like she produces yeah. photo sessions. Like a fashion consultant or something like that at her Ugly house. Clothes, by the way, his glasses were horrible. Fashion. Yeah. Oh, Ugly they were. Clothes. It was the worst. I work with a photo studio. I know how like photo sessions go. 
you don't just let any random Joe come in and start making like <laughs> like design choices on like what the people are wearing and stuff like it was the worst fucking dumbest fucking photo shoot I've ever seen. Well, it's terrible, you know, and it also it it, it speeds more years ahead because remember the last time he was about to leave for college. By now he's gone through college and law school, and now he's he's a so he's probably actually finally looks his age, but. One thing I did find intriguing, and I wish it could have paid off better, is because now, finally, we're starting to hear a little bit more about women acting, uh, working in the horror genre behind the scenes, like with the Saskas and uh, all these other people, you know, who are actually starting to make some waves, finally. I noticed that the director of this film was a woman. The producer was a woman. Music by a woman, I think possibly even written by a woman, and I thought, geez, that's really rare when you have that many women, because, you know, we, the women aren't really treated so great. In, well, uh, in, I think some film. of that could be, too, is that at the time, Roger Corman was kind of doing the same thing. Now, if you have any back knowledge of the Slumber Party Massacre yeah. series, all of those films were directed by women. He would do that with that, and he'd yeah. do that with that, and like the nurse films, and like the teacher. He would usually do that with the films often that he knew that he was going to get the biggest backlash from uh, feminist groups, and say like, "Hey, but how can you say that? Look at what I did here." Because he would counter it by saying, "No, I had you know women in charge of these movies." Right. Uh, this, I don't think they really thought that through. I don't know what happened here because I don't think they thought anything through on this movie. It, it was, it really is terrible. Yeah, really it, terrible. I wish it had paid off because when I saw those names in the crowd, I was like, wow, that's interesting. And then like an hour and a half later, the movie's over. I'm like, wow, that wasn't interesting at all. No, no, no it was it was a total vacant void. It was just your most generic episode of like the Night Stalker or yeah. something like that you had ever seen. Yeah. And I then, should have taken my name off the credits. Yeah, <laughs> you really should have. You should have at least done an Alan Smithy for Christ's let's, sake on that well, thing. Let's not forget we're entering into the age, uh, the new decade of the 90s horror, which was really, I mean, different than your 80s horror. and More generic. More generic. I mean, just looking at the list of horror movies that came out in 91, the same time as this one, dear Lord, the what you had come out was, I mean, you had, uh, what, Trancers 2, Scanners 2, Puppet Master 2 and 3, Popcorn. Uh, you know, you I just like had... I love Popcorn, know, dude. I, I love, love that popcorn. movie. No, I like I mean, all those movies that you just Yeah, I actually do like those, all those, those movies. Those were good, but I, I, I'm just saying, though, that there was a lot more of the direct-to-video horror, I think. You know, this was the point where video had reached its its uh, apex. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and, and it was starting to go down. Like, mm-hmm. the early 90s, like, 92, 93 is, was generally considered the downfall of video, where right. the, the, the big boom was starting to taper off. It still lingered on, don't get me wrong. Video lasted around to, like, 2000 and 2000 almost to 2003, but the big heyday of the mom-and-pop video store and the little exploitation filmmaker being able to go in and put together $50,000 or $100,000 and make millions back on that investment by just putting any piece of shit out there was was starting to taper off. Right. So this film reeked 
of mm-hmm. let's just have someone write a script in a weekend. We'll pull together whoever we have together, and we'll just put this movie out there. Well, that, yeah. that was my point was the fact that there were a lot of other better movies that were sequels at the time, you know. But it was the waning years in, in the early '90s of the the video uh, boom and that and the good stuff, you know. I, so. Yeah, so yeah, they. I think they pushed this one out just to make sure they were in that batch of films, because um, yeah, it really tapered off. I mean, Full Moon really lost a lot after the nineties. Well, Full but, Moon was going pretty strong up until I think like ninety five, ninety six. Mm-hmm. I think the yeah. early ninety was their breadbasket with the pu- Puppet Master movies, and you had the subspecies, and you you had like Castle Freak, and you had all this stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so they were going pretty strong up until the mid nineties, and that's really when you know VHS kind of died. Yeah. They were big until they until they lost their Paramount license, and right. then it took them a long Correct. time to recover. Now I think they have recovered, but mm-hmm. it took them a while. I don't think they've recovered. I think I I think they're just well, kind of holding on. They're doing well. They're doing more with the streaming stuff and everything like that. Yeah. It's, it's 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 a di- it's a different game altogether. I was mm-hmm. list- actually listening to like a big Charlie Band podcast just earlier mm-hmm. today. But, but, but that's well, I think well where they're making a ton of their money back is the $5 Walmart bins. Mm-hmm. They've made a ton of money because of those multi-packs that which, they put out. Which I wouldn't pay $5 for Witchcraft 3 or 4. Maybe together. Maybe as a compilation disc, one of those were if it was yeah. offered the first eight Witchcraft for 5 bucks. See, Maybe that would be the perfect will. thing. I was thinking Some about that these... today. Is Why hasn't somebody put all 13 of these together on one of these packs Some and of these sold them? Were... Some of these, like some of the late, I think some of the later segments, like around part ten and stuff. I think some of the segments did wind up on a couple multi packs. Yeah, the ones with like, Stephanie Beaton. I uh, have number thirteen on one of those. So let's kiss this piece of shit to death and go- goodbye, and let's move on to the last number film. Four. To, oh, to number four. Let's move on to number four, the last film of tonight that we'll do of the Witchcraft series, The Virgin Heart, that was made in 1992. And I will subtitle this film, Poop Velvet. From the creators of the original best renter, Witchcraft, comes Witchcraft 4, the shocking sequel destined to shatter rental records of your most popular horror series. Home Video Plus predicts Witchcraft 4 will be an excellent renter. And Granada Video says the Witchcraft audience is anxiously awaiting Witchcraft 4. Starring sizzling penthouse pet Julie Strain and Witchcraft 2 and 3 star Charles Solomon, Witchcraft 4 Virgin Heart will satisfy horror fans' thirst for demonic action and scintillating effects. Witchcraft 4 is now available in two heart-stopping prepacks. Buy three copies of Witchcraft 4 and get one more copy free. Or buy one copy each of Witchcraft 1, 2, 3, and 4 and save $60. And as a special bonus, for each prepack, Academy Entertainment will include a sensational 100% cotton Witchcraft 4 t-shirt. Witchcraft 4, it will cast a spell on your customers. This film wanted to be Blue Velvet so badly in every last way that it was just, it was horrible. So what what is the Virgin Heart Witchcraft for? Synopsis is William, now a lawyer slash wannabe PI, takes a case of a missing couple and winds up in deep with a big-titted stripper slash lounge singer who's played marginally okay by Julie Strain. And Julie Strain is involved with an organ-harvesting demon cult. 
<laughs> so right off the bat, the only thing that was good about this is it was a lot sleazier than the rest of the films. But what was the worst part of this? This had the worst sound mix I've ever heard on a film <laughs> ever. Ever, 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 ever. And I'm talking about I've watched some low-rent shot on video in on, a, on your mom's camcorder in the backyard films, and they had better sound than this fucking piece of shit. And, and it goes to show you, because this was distributed by Troma for a very, very long time, it goes to show you that they don't care. Just give them your film, and they're just going to put it out, and it doesn't matter because all of the dialogue was put, pushed into the left speaker, and then the right speaker was all of the sound effects, all of the soundtrack, um, everything, and it was, I would say, at least a good 3 to 5 dB higher than any of the, the dialogue that was pushed into the left speaker. It was almost unintelligible. And when I re I just rewatched this last night, I could tell you a good three-quarters of the film, I didn't hear dialogue, and I didn't care, because it didn't fucking matter. It starts off in in a way like we had talked about how tonally each of these movies shifted from movie to movie because obviously they were being pushed off onto different directors, new directors that they could find for cheap and they could just churn out anything. This film, which this is fucking downright shocking to me, was directed by the director of SLC Punk, which yes. arguably is one of the best 90s films. <laughs> SLC Punk, the director made this fucking atrociously boring pile of shit. I just like, obviously, you know, just trying to get your foot in the door, so, but this thing is just, it wants to be blue velvet, it, it reeks of 90s, hard contrast lighting, like where they just set up one fucking 1k off to the side and just shined it across the, you know everybody it didn't bother putting any fill light and put anything on the it just horribly lit there's most of the edits are done with flash frames this is done like the the basic setups done in this really lame film noir pi Kind of like all of a sudden, William now is like this now lawyer PI. PI character, yeah. where it's done in that lame kind of film noir, where he's having internal dialogue while bad jazz is playing in the background. Then they have the first scene of this film, which it seems to be a, a, a reoccurring thing now, starting with three. It's like they set up the film with a scene where something happens and then we go into the film proper and the first scene is this couple that goes to like a, a point to like do it you know like the make out point and the girl doesn't want to do him yeah so he walks off and she walks off and to try and find her he climbs a tree and and like tries to find her and he slips and falls and knocks himself out <laughs> Just the dumbest thing. And then she, walk, walking off in the middle of nowhere, goes to a, a phone booth, and somebody miraculously drives up, and she follows this guy to the back of his car to a trunk where he fucking pounds her in the head with with a crowbar. It's like, these are the two dumbest fucking characters I've ever seen in my entire fucking life. And then we go into the main story where Julie Strain is this lounge singer slash stripper who obviously is getting treated bad by a demon 
total fucking blue velvet and it's just like this movie is a mess glenn did you, is there anything redeemable about this movie at all in your mind i, I want to fart but i'd probably shit myself which would actually be better <laughs> a better experience than actually having watched this movie it's it's like the guy you know they got the, he got this movie he's like all right i'm directing this thing it's called witchcraft 4 but i really as you said derek wants to do blue, but he wants to do this this film noir type thing because there's so little witchcraft in this. This is more of a, a detective story, yes. murder mystery, you know, made for TV, you know, type thing, and just it's made ugh. for cable. It, this would have this felt like the made for cable type of films. Yeah, they decided to throw on video just so that they could make an extra buck, since they can't make anything on the, you know, it being on cable late night. Well, um, you know, it, it sums up this the whole the first four movies, you know. It, as Derek said, you know, Derek said, you know, these are old, you know, and don't watch them because they're old. And, you know, there are old things worth seeing, you know, like the pyramids and maybe like, you know, some old castles. <laughs> but there's old things you don't need to see, like this or your grandparents having sex. There's old things you don't need to see. And, oh, man. Just, uh, that's partially why I wanted to do these episodes, I think, because we're kind of taking a bullet for people, I think, with these these films. And I know there are some people out there that will find enjoyment in these because they are campy. But this film, just from technical aspects alone, is nearly unwa- unwatchable. It's just like that sound is the fucking worst. I, I will say a positive about the film. Because Julie Strain is much less hideous as she has become. I don't know, man. I I gotta be honest, and I don't know if Brian, you disagree with me, because Julie Strain in some in some films is really fun, but I have never been attracted to her in any way, shape, or form. Well, neither have I. I just think you know it's in her progression of to what she is now. She's not as awful to watch. <laughs> I can watch her and go. All right, I could still think about having sex with someone else, as opposed to when I see her now, and I'm like, I'm just, just going to go put my dick in the blender. <laughs> Brian, did you have any fun with this movie at all? This is my favorite of the four. Oh my dear God! I got to hear this. Okay, lay it I love it. Yes. I love it. Yes, it was horrible. Come on, it was horrible. It was horrible. There, there, there's no denying that. But uh, yeah, I. I, I just he liked Julie Lion Strain. You I like love Julie, Julie Strain. Yeah. I do love Julie Strain. She's, um, a, she's a goddess among screen queens. You know, and uh, yeah, I, I, I kind of enjoyed them playing around with the noir stuff a bit. I loved the scene where, and this is what I thought was actually maybe even a little artful. Was the first time right. he comes to the club and she is supposedly singing or whoever is singing. <laughs> right, 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 right. And hey, it's hilarious. He, he wanders back and she's in her dressing room and he goes, oh, "I'm, I'm sorry. I was. Do you know where the bathroom is? Please come in. <clears throat> Sit down. Listen, uh, I really need to ask you a few questions. You know what the funny thing is, Brian, is that scene where it has that forced perspective of yeah. her in the in the I right frame. Yeah. I thought that was the best scene of the movie I because there was some actual it. witty dialogue yeah. between the two. And, and when she gets him kicked out, I'm like, that was actually yeah. well done. And yeah. I, it's my favorite line in the movie because he's looking for the girl who's disappeared. And she goes, don't worry. I used to disappear a lot, too, when I was 16. 
loved it! <laughs> but it, but it, it was just so horrible, though. She did one of the Claude Van Damme films, and mm-hmm. this is the first time I'd ever heard of her. She was on one of those really cheesy television expose shows, and her big thing is she claimed that some guy broke into her apartment during the night and attacked her, and she was able to fight him off because her, in quotes, good friend, Jean-Claude Van Damme, had taught her some karate moves on the set of this picture they had done. I think it was Double Trouble. Or, double, or, or, double, double Impact. Double yeah, Impact. Double impact. <laughs> and, and they mentioned Julie Strain is an up-and-coming you know, actress in Hollywood. Her latest film is Witchcraft 4. So I went out and rented it and taped it, taped it, and um, but yeah, but even then, and I don't know if it was a sound thing, but it was so bizarre. Everything she said was done in like this real exclamatory fashion, but with an <laughs> emphasis on like wrong words in the sentence, though. Yes, like, yes. It, it was crazy. I don't know how she did it because it'd be like, well, I don't know what you're doing here because I love. You know? <laughs> it was nuts. It was almost brilliant. <laughs> Oh my god, was... I don't know if I'd say that. <laughs> but yeah, there was just like, I loved the, the bartender, the like, the, the half, the mentally challenged bartender. Yeah. With <laughs> leather suspenders. I'm like, that was a character. Right, right. Yeah, he was kind of like, he was the toady character of those guys. And there was even a part where one of the, it was so like far into the noiries aspect, there was there was one of the, the henchmen of the demon, uh, the overlord guy, and he had, what, you want me to ax him? Yeah. <laughs> I need to flip someone soon. I'm or do you, what you, it was something like that, like, or yeah. what, you want me to take him out? Yeah. Like, yeah. Oh, fucking God. Yeah. Well, well, we got to prepare ourselves, folks, because the guy who wrote this one mm-hmm. also directed uh, nine and seven for witchcraft episodes. This is the guy that brought us oversexed rug suckers from Mars. Yep. Was the guy who wrote this, that was his first film, which he also directed, and he went on to direct body parts. Oh wow! Uh, oh, body parts, body not parts, a bad film. The, the writer, the writer of this film, did uh, direct body parts. Wait, that's shocking. With Jeff Bain. I thought body parts was Eric Red. According to the well, according to IMDb, is there a different body parts? Because I thought Michael, body parts was before this, maybe. Michael Paul Gerard did a movie called Body Parts in 92, which would have been just after this. Oh, you're talking about a different body parts than yeah, we're talking it's, about. No, it's not this is a trauma classic, release yeah. you're talking about. The it's one the we're talking about. Yeah. yeah, the one we're talking no. about was directed by Eric Red right. with Jeff no, Faye. Yeah, the, the good, yeah, that was the good one. Uh, this one wasn't the good one, but, I mean, th- this guy who wrote this, you know, this was like his, what, second writing Thing you know, and he didn't really improve later on. So, but, <laughs> but he did. But he did go on to write, uh, I think, movie that was called Different Strokes, but it was yes. actually the Dana Plato softcore porn film. Oh yes, that's, my yep, gosh. he did do that one. Yes, yeah. he did. He directed and wrote that one. So that explains a lot with this one of the person who who brought us this film. Uh, you know. Oh yeah, it was it was a mess, and, and I like noir stuff. And the scene that got me with this was the the whole scene in her apartment with the rape scene, I oh, guess, yeah. or the, the blue velvet it, scene. The blue oh, yeah. velvet scene, you know. And and for me, I'm sitting here going, 
here's Mr. Good Guy, Mr. Good Bar, Mr. Man of the People, and he doesn't do shit. I he's know. A, he's a yeah. warlock. He's got powers. This is the No, he is, doesn't. No, he doesn't. <laughs> We've already established, Mark, there's no yes, powers. Right. All this okay. was was a rip-off scene of that famous scene yes. in Blue Velvet. That's all this was. But, I mean, I, I, I was so frustrated because I'm, like, sitting here going... Yeah. You know, you're, you're, he's talked about, you know, I only use my powers for good, though he doesn't have any powers, but he's, he believes he has powers, and I'm like, this would be a good time. Yeah. No, no, really. <laughs> yeah. You know, I'm just, you know, yeah. putting that out there. I know you don't want to use him often, but a girl's getting violated, and yeah. you're in the closet. And then you wonder when you come out why she's pissed at you. <laughs> you know, what just, about that 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 weirdly? Well, it's not weirdly. It's a typically it a lit ninety scene with the two of them fucking in an elevator that's ascending, and then they well, share was, cigarettes. Well, that was nine and a half weeks meets Angel Heart, wasn't it? Yes, yes, it was. It was definitely. It was like oh, please, happened. Scott, don't ever compare this movie to Angel Heart ever <laughs> fucking again. That was a good movie. This oh is yeah. A, Total fucking. No, no, he's talking about shit. Sorry, Brian. Elevator scene. He's elevator It might have aspired to it. It totally missed the fucking mark, though. Don't don't get me wrong. <laughs> so so, Mark, do you got any more thoughts on on the fourth one, or should we go on to Scott? No, I, I would go on to Scott. That's fine. It's, All right, yeah. Scott, go ahead and give me what you got. Okay, well, this was the other one that I had history with because um, a few years ago I was. Um, writing, more, I guess a little more than a few years ago, I was writing for a website called Cold Cuts. Back when I did get screeners, I actually got a screener of this. I got the DVD, and I had it laying around, and I said, yeah, I don't remember a damn thing about this when I had to review it for that site. I'll watch it again, okay. And so I don't know if any of you had this, did any of you have the host segments on your, the prints yeah. that you watched? Yeah. The, yes. 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 The trauma host, yeah. Did you have the shot where Julie Strain is hosting this, just yes. Chuck Nude? Yes. 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 Where yeah. she's doing her and hair? It, yeah, and it was not a very, you know, titillating Chuck it Nude. It was not flattering in the slightest. <laughs> no. But that was kind of interesting because she got to, like, because she actually did, um, Talk about how she got in trouble with SAG for doing this film. Yeah. Because by then it was like her like her second like featured role, and after like about a half dozen other roles. Well, because she mostly did Andy Sedaris movies. Yeah, and this was not a SAG film, obviously. You know. What? What? <laughs> well, yeah, because she had done Double Impact as well as the Steven Seagal film before that. So I mean, she was. She was in the union. She was in the yes. union. I was yes, say, she, she was. was you know? uh, let's see, I'm just going to try to make, because this is the one where I actually did write notes on my tablet. So oh, I can't to, wait to hear this. So I'm going to try to make notes, so I'm going to try to make sense of my notes while also trying to get through the auto, weird autocorrect. And uh, so, yeah, the the end, the beginning that we were talking about with the total, like, idiots with the guy <laughs> climbing the tree and the girl <laughs> going to his trunk, totally drawn out. That thing lasted for, like, eight minutes. <laughs> it was actually almost, like, 15 Oh, my God. Because okay, I literally just watched this again last night. And the whole first scene, it was just like, it went on forever. It could have been wrapped up in five. What? Who is yeah. this? What? Yeah. The dude that's walking around the woods <laughs> just saying the same thing, and he climbs up a tree and then, like, knocks himself out. It was just like, it, oh, my God, this is so It should so have been dumb. a two-minute scene. It should have been yeah. a two-minute scene. Done. Boom. Credits. You know? 
and it and it went on forever and ever and ever. All these films, that's a big problem, is that they're all too drawn out. Every single one of these films should have been 80 minutes or less. Should have been 40 minutes max. <laughs> this should have been a TV series. I know, but, you know, just, you know, giving them the benefit of the doubt for feature film, whatever. Director, you know, yeah, he may have gone on to do, like, some, you know, and show some uh, technical prowess. Like, SLC Punk, I will tell you, like, one of the shots that I love in that movie is when they do the pan of still pictures over that party, you yes. know, and everything like that. It's great, you know. This, there's, like, nothing because it almost seemed like he didn't know what to do because the the sets just seemed so cramped, you know? Absolutely, like I agree with you on that. It almost seems like he says, I don't know, I guess a master shot. And he just sticks with master shots for most of the film. You know, aside from a couple, like, little flourishes, like when, boom, all of a sudden they're fucking in the elevator. You know? Because <laughs> yeah, that scene does come out of nowhere, like, oh, yeah, yeah, sure, I can meet you. Yeah, no problem. Like, walk it, walk it, walk it. You just like, <laughs> We didn't even talk about the fucking end scene where all of a sudden the witchcraft comes into focus. Like, the, the whole cult <laughs> aspect late, at the very ass end of this movie. A little late, finally we get some witchcraft. Yeah, I mean, there's that big thing, you know... I, I could actually make some sense of the concluding fight scene, which is saying more than I could for any of the other three, at least. We have a controversial disc jockey in this movie. They say, ooh, he's so controversial. He works for college radio. <laughs> okay, let's let's break this scene down, because this scene, I actually wrote on this scene. This is like, so he calls this radio station, and this D- DJ assistant or secretary or whatever this fucking idiot that picked up the phone was was the worst radio employee ever. Yeah, Why the fuck funny. did he like, now wait dude I don't know what you're talking about Kavara, and he, he like was the dumbest fucking, like why did he act so like such an asshole to Will? Hi yeah I need an address on Robert Santera <laughs> What time does he come in at night? He doesn't. He broadcasts from someone else. <laughs> you don't even know where your disc jockey is broadcasting from? Look, it's just not important to us, okay? We're just happy to get those ratings. It's like we're a small college station, and we're getting like incredible recognition. You know what I mean? I mean, it's fucking hot right now. People fucking love you. You know? Okay? You got it? That's it. I'm done. I'm late for my heart. The funny, you know what's funny about this? We have not talked about Will Spanner at all. This oh entire freaking, like, we've been talking about Julie Strain the entire time, and this, like, William is literally the main character in this film, and we well, haven't talked a- to him once because he's so fucking forgettable. He's a dull. He's a blank slate. He's so dull, you know. And and his performances are so terrible that you know there's not really much to say. You know, it's like yeah, he was you know, he was you know a a big walking stick of butter in the first two three movies, and he's a big walking stick of butter in this movie too. You know, right? Uh, right. There's a there's two girls in this. Let's not forget because there's the. Julius, Julie Strain character playing Bella Donna, and she's supposedly the femme fatale character. And, and a big star, the, supposedly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then there's, yeah, who, who sucks. And then there's uh, the supposed good girl until the reveal and everything. You know, spoilers again. There's, but we lose her, the, the good girl, for the longest time, and then there's like this big impassioned plea 
like, if you love her, you'll help her. Yeah. We haven't seen this chick for like an hour at this point. No, <laughs> like, and the thing is, if though, he the, loves the, her, he would have freaking called. No, he doesn't love her. The romantic uh, connection was with Belladonna. Right. right where, there the, was no because they get together at the end. It's like the whole. But that's a, that's a thing about these movies is that William Spanner is a total fucking womanizer. Every <laughs> single movie, he's got a new girl. And then at the end of the movie, it seems like, you know, they're passionate in love. Then the next movie happens, and he's already moved on to somebody else. He's Indiana Jones without the charisma or the athletics or anything, really. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, man, he's the warlock lawyer. Yes, he is is Matlock, warlock lawyer. Oh, my God. Can you imagine that? You know, Matlock, warlock? That would be awesome. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I mean, so, Andy, so go ahead, go Andy ahead, Scott. Griffith should have been Will Spanner. Damn it! Yeah, go uh, ahead, Scott. Wrap, wrap up your notes, and we'll, I just we'll, we'll to get on to wrapping this one up. And the very last thing I'm going to say is that it, they try to make a big thing about the blues mythology, the classic, you know, Robert yes. Johnson story about the crossroads and everything. Oh my and, gosh! And they talk about the blues. I love the blues, guys. This Same was here. not the blues, no. not even close. No. It still was weird. No. This wasn't even one of those Steven Seagal blues albums. Okay. <laughs> no, this, this was is like not bl- the blues. like early '90s black velvet. That kind of that kind of shit. That's what the kind of blues this was. Yeah, black velvet was like you know went down to the crossroads, you know, hellhound on my trail compared to this shit, let me tell you. <laughs> yeah, the, 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 their, their excuse for the blues thing and trying to work that in there, I'm like, really? We're, we're, we're trying this now out of everything else we're doing with this. We've got to invoke the name of, of, of Johnson, you know. Uh-huh. We've got to talk about the crossroads. Let's leave that alone, okay? Yeah, it's just yeah. as cheap as all the rest of the films where they just, like we said before, where they had to inject something in there to give some sort of depth to it or give some sort of backstory of some witchery or or some supernatural or demonic presence in there in which really this film had none of that at all. And it was just the very last five to 10 minutes where all of a sudden he winds up at some basement that's lit like the first Hellraiser, and he goes downstairs (laughs) and there's, there's some dude dressed in the dude from the ghoulies attire where he's like the king, king priest. And there, there's some like organ, harvesting cult and like <laughs> this movie like upon watching it for the second time last night it was just like this was fucking I didn't like this at all um, but I can get you know it's trashy and Julie Strain has an appeal you know she's kind of fun but uh, at the same time this is if, if oh Brian I don't know why you like this at all I just I don't know buddy I don't I, I just don't know you you want to get here let's I'm gonna give final thoughts to you on witchcraft for Brian go for it it's not good uh, just like everyone said it's not good but I, I think it's sleazier than the other three which has yes. something to, to, to say about that Um I just love, I think, anyone who loves, you know, that golden age of Scream Queens, Julie Strange, she's got a much bigger part than Delia Shepard had in number two. She at least has some kind of presence. Yeah, I, I just even enjoyed, I, I mean, I just thought 
that opening scene was so ridiculous, like you said, so long, but for some reason, just the whole awkwardness of it charmed me. Like, there was even a point, like, it was edited so badly, the girl's at the phone booth talking with the guy who eventually, you know, attacks her and throws her in the trunk. Yeah, the phone booth that's in the middle of bumfuck nowhere. nowhere. And then, like, Pete, the boy who's fallen out of the tree, wakes up and gets up and starts to move, and it almost looks... Like, he's in the same scene with them, the way they edited it. Yeah. yeah. It's yeah. really, really badly done. Even that kind of charmed me a bit. I, I mean, it was just so awkward. and, and um, So, no, is it is it great? Not at all. But, you know, I, I did kind of like the sleaziness. I did like some of the, the noir t- touches. But even that was not consistent. You know, it, it's no. the same thing no. with, with, with all these films. They'll have a certain energy going, and then they'll put in the silly Three Stooges slapstick bit. And then they'll go along, and they'll throw something else in there. And that the noir stuff was not... That would have maybe made it even like a good film, or at least a better film, if they had played with that consistently. It would pop in here and there. Like, I think the scene with Julie Strain in the dressing room had a very, like, mm-hmm. more vibe to it. And, and there was a couple other moments. But even that wasn't consistent. So No, no, and especially the ending where all of a sudden, you know, it looks like Belladonna and William are together. And then we go back to the noir. You know, he's at a, in a smoky, dimly lit office, and he's giving his, you know, narration VO uh, about what ends up happening. And he's not with Belladonna. She went on and did something else, and he's back to whatever he does, and, and that's it. It's the end. It's like, yeah. what was the point of anything we just watched for the last <laughs> well, hour and a half? And, and I think the one thing we've missed is I don't want to live in the town where he lives because they have the dumbest cops in the universe in in this town. That's carried through all the films. I mean, this fourth one, they think the, the guy did it. Well, we've got our guy. We've got our guy. We've got our guy. Last five minutes of Oh, we don't have our guy. You're right. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone died in the basement, but the cop doesn't even, like, like question him. He killed them all. He fucking killed them all. And the cop's like, all right, see you later. No, it was just like the cops in, in number three. It's like, no, he did it. No, he did it. No, he did it. Oh, yeah, by the way, this guy confessed. I guess he didn't do it. No, no. Oh, well. Because he's Matlock, Warlock lawyer, he has carte blanche. He can just do whatever the fuck he wants. What's the point? Seems like a never-ending cycle. I'm back to pretending to be normal. Pete's out of jail, but he'll be going into a psychiatric ward. He couldn't take the news that his sister was the one who had his parents killed. Seems she felt she'd been abused. Hi, 
I'm John Water. Hi, this is Dolph Lundgren. Hi, I'm Lance Henriksen. Hi, this is Keith Gordon. Robert Pune. Miguel Ferrer. This is Nancy Allen. Robert Davi. Richard Elfman. Ileana Douglas. Patrick Warburton. Dwing Hauser. Cliff DeYoung. Steve Railsback. Mr. D. William Cass. If you haven't been listening to the Projection Booth podcast, you're missing out. Each week, the Projection Booth brings you in-depth discussions of some of the most interesting movies ever made. I'm Mike White. No, the other one. I'm the guy who wrote the film fanzine Cashiers to Cinemart since 1994. Since early 2011, I've been co-hosting the Projection Booth podcast. Try us, won't you? I never try anything. I just do it. Visit the Projection Booth at projection-booth.com. Excuse me, what are you doing? Are you looking for porn again? No. Well, what is that I see? It's not porn. It's the badassboobsandbodycounts.com website. I happen to be looking at the reviews in the boobs section of the site. They have a section of the site dedicated to boobs? Yes, they do. They cover exploitation films in the boobs category, action films in the badass category, and horror in the body counts category. What's that review you're reading now? This is Andy Sidaris's Malibu Express. See at the bottom of the review there? They list how many boobs appear in the film. In this case, it's 22 pairs. This is definitely a film I want to see. You mean just for boobs? Uh, yeah, just for boobs. What's that other option? B, B, and B, C podcast? That's the great thing about the site. If you're not into reading the reviews, you can listen to them via the web, on your mobile device, through iTunes, and even Stitcher Smart Radio. And they cover the same types of films. Lesser known action, exploitation, and horror cinema. So yeah, to answer your question, I wasn't cruising porn. That's too bad. What's too bad? That you weren't cruising for porn. Uh, why? Because I was feeling kind of horny. Oh, wait, 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 wait. Get back here. Hey, get back here.
so let's wrap this up, boys. This is we. So we just watched the first four witchcraft films, and what is going to be? I'm hoping three or four episodes total of this. We're gonna try and do four uh, four of these movies apiece. I understand if you boys bow out at some point, but I think it's gonna be an endurance test I'm to try and see if we can haul. actually do this and get through that. these movies. Um, I think it's really funny. One of the people I really hoped would be here tonight, unfortunately couldn't make it because uh, she contracted, you know, she got mono, and she couldn't do it. So Tanya Atomic, the grand mistress of Astro Radio Z, she wrote me something uh, that is kind of like a synopsis of what her thoughts were on these first four movies because she actually watched these movies and then couldn't come on the episode. I felt so guilty and so bad. <laughs> oh. um, it was just like, Tanya, I know you can't do this, but if you want to write me something, I'll gladly read it on the show. So this is what Tanya had to say about her experience with these first four movies. Witchcraft, the series, bewilders me. <laughs> the movies read like low-budget direct-to-video movies, which maybe they are. They have exciting supernatural characters and plots, and yet they are super slow and boring, almost a chore to watch. The sequels so far are way better than the first film, but the sequels are mildly entertaining at best. (laughs) These are not so bad it's good, because they're not that bad. The acting effects, locations, costumes, etc. are all so-so, and together are equal bland. The ideas are intriguing, and I want these movies to be better than they are. They somehow lack drive. There is nothing that really draws me into the story. The fact there have been so many sequels is a wonder to me. They are not terrible movies, but they are not that good and not that bad that they are that terrible. I think she summed it up perfectly. Like, literally, that is my exact thought on these movies there's that there they're yeah they're just they kind exist. of there <laughs> they, they exist to exist that's about it it's it, yeah and and there it's obvious this was just a business this that's all this was was pure commerce these first four films and obviously i'm the rest of them are probably even worse i i i'm hoping that some of them are fun. i know i've seen part 13 and that was actually really fun but um oh my gosh these were these were a chore to sit through these were really chore so let's go down the line and let's give our rankings one through four on each of these films and then we'll call it a night, boys. So I'm going to start with Mr. Brian Kirst. Mr. Brian Kirst, if we were to go one through four, what would you go go uh, your best to worst? Four, two, one, three. Glenn Bittner. <laughs> two. <laughs> if you want to lump all the rest of them in as, as the last, that's fine with me. Three, four, one. <laughs> okay. All right. Mark. Two, four, one, three. Scott Davis. I think we might all have different ratings. Um, two, four, three, one. See, this is the weird thing about this episode is that <laughs> I started off by saying that the first one was probably the best one, but I think through talking through this, 
Oh, no, I don't agree. I'm Okay, I'm sticking to my guns. One, two, three, four. Literally, <laughs> I right down the line. <laughs> right down the line is that this was just like, for me, it was like the first one, okay, this was watchable. The second one, this is trashy, but it's a real piece of shit. Third one is like, oh, my God, this is unwatchable. And the fourth one is, this isn't even a fucking movie. So, yeah, it was one, two, three, four for me. Um, so, uh, witchcraft. Oh, my gosh. I can't believe we're doing this to ourselves, boys. Um, I'm sorry. Oh, well, I, I apologize. I, I hope you will come on to the next episode where we, we do five through eight. Um, it, obviously there may be an episode in between where, you know, I do a palate cleanser where we talk, cause I kind of have an idea of another series of episodes that I want to do. Um, I'm not going to talk about that yet, but, uh, we'll see. Cause I want to give us the time to be able to, you know, cleanse our souls a little bit of the first four and then, uh, jump into five through eight. And that may be in a, a month or two's time when we do that episode. Um, but I really appreciate you guys going through this experiment with me, um, which is the best way that I can I can put this. I'm hoping that I can get Tanya on to the next one. Uh, hopefully she's she's better by that point. And uh, we missed you, Tanya. We wish you could have been here. I was talking to my dear friend Jason Paul Collum that I work with, and hopefully I can get him. On the next episode because he likes these movies. <gasps> okay. No. <laughs> in the way that Brian likes these movies, they're trashy and they're kind of fun in a in a trashy kind of way. So I'm hoping I can get him on the on the next episode. But in order to wrap this up, anyone want to give their final thoughts on this? Do we want to just go down the line? Each of us give our final thoughts. Um, Let's 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 start with Brian. Go ahead. Right now in Chicago, we are going through just really freezing temps, blizzard, you know, and just a, it's a it's a rough winter. And you know what? Watching the witchcraft films is just a little bit better than that. So you know, <laughs> there you go. That's my that, that's my wrap up. Oh my gosh! I feel like the biggest asshole. In no, the no, the no, actually, Derek, no. <laughs> I had a good time. You, you, you know, it, 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 these are, um, if you want me to be semi-serious, th you know, th this was kind of what really sucked me into loving exploitation and horror films were these types. A little bit better than this, honestly, but I'm recognizing a lot of the figures that I really, really loved when I was first falling in love with exploitation films and B-movies and horror films, and so it, it, it wasn't a huge trial by any means. You, you know, it, it was cool to see... Delia Shepard and Julie Strain. I think this next one has an even lower budget uh, woman who used to be in um, the Scream Queens illustrated books. Uh, oh, yes. Karen Taylorin, I, I yes. think, is in this Witchcraft 5. So I, I'm having a good time. So, you know, the, the, the first was my attempt at humor answer, and the second is my uh, honest from the heart true blue answer is, is that it, it, it's been kind of fun. So there we go. I appreciate that, Brian. I, I'm glad you're you're buttering it up for me, so I don't feel so guilty <laughs> about this. So, Glenn, go ahead. Give me your final thought. Give me actually. Give me your 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 scale one to ten. Oh God! <laughs> Here we go. 
I don't even have a scale of one to ten for this. A broken crack pipe jammed up my ass. I don't know. It's... But the thing Lit is, they were, they, were awful. they were awful. But the thing is, is that you know, to alleviate some of your guilt, the fact is, you know, thank you so much. Well, no, it's it's that. Yeah, they're they're terrible. But the thing is, is that I watch these and they're terrible, and I can almost feel it because it's. Eighty thousand dollars, even when it was made, you know, in, in the in the nineties, eighty thousand was still not that much movie to shoot a movie. No, that's a that's a very no, small budget no. at that time. I, you know, I look at that and then I look, how much did fucking Huey Bowl spend on Blood Rain Four or whatever the fuck it was, and that pile of shit that that thing was. And I look at some of the the shitty movies that have budgets, you know, ten, twenty, thirty times this, that are just as bad. They just happen to have better effects. Right. The stories are just as awful. The acting is just as awful. Just that they had an effects budget, you know. And I know better movies can be made on the cheap, but it's also the fact it's like, yeah. I've, I've watched enough Corman films and enough of those other films in my life to be like, yeah, there's a lot of shitty movies out there. These are not the worst movies I've seen. So you got that for you. <laughs> I have seen worse, worse things. Wow, what a recommendation. Mark the movie man, give me your final thoughts. Uh, well, initially going into this, I was going to say this is like Dante's level of hell and where, you know, they're all bad, but you have the level where you get hangnails pulled and then there's the level where you're face down in your own shit. And, you know, these movies are... <laughs> I don't remember that part of the book. Somewhere in between. I was initially going to say that. But after we've discussed it and after we thought it, talking about it and thinking about them more... I think it, it truly does sum up Tanya was the best. It, these are movies that are just there. Um, they're not so bad they're good, but they're not so bad they're bad. They're there. I can see Except what, for part four. Except for part four. But, uh, hey! Think, hey! No. Hey! <laughs> no, no, three was three. I part didn't four enjoy is it. my zombie ass. Three, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> three three I own. did enjoy. Uh, I enjoyed the least out of all of them. You could see what they were trying to do. They were just being mass-produced, yeah. is the thing. Is is that this this is a series where they were just mass-producing these, especially as you get into the later ones, to where it's just a brand name now, where they say it's witchcraft only because it's got the one main character in there. And they try to tie it back to old lady spitting grape juice. But, <laughs> you know, I, and I see where they were trying with it. And there is a bit of almost quaintness to them for that time, but at the same time, uh, they're forgettable, they're skippable, you know, they're not ones that I would recommend to someone who is really into B-horror or that, uh, maybe two, but... Uh, I would have hated them. They're, they're just there. I, I didn't totally want to gouge my eyes out, but at the same time, I was like, there's, I'm not, there's nothing there. It, it's just there. That's <laughs> the best way to put it for me. Was they were just there for me. Um, I enjoyed bits and pieces of them. Which, if you put enough of those bits and pieces together, you probably got one good, really enjoyable movie for me, uh, spanned out over these four. So, Scott Davis, it's up to you. All right, you know, real briefly, because I, because you, you're feeling bad about this, there, Derek, and you shouldn't, because okay, here's how I'm going to look at it. Okay, every. Buddy, uh, in their lives, hopes that they have some kind of rite of passage. You know, something that's really difficult, <laughs> really punishing, 
but you know when you're done with it you're like feel stronger because you made it through it you know some people <laughs> walk on hot coals some people go on walkabouts some climb Everest we get to watch all 13 witchcraft movies and to that witchcraft. I don't I, and to that I don't Hold hate in. you I don't hate you sir I say hit me with your best shot I cannot wait for the next four bring it on yeah thank yes. you so much you just you just rose me up on a on, on a bed of feathers and uh, in a cloud and that's 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 amazing thank you so much um, yeah, I, just, I just had an epiphany from the heart oh epiphany an, an epiphany on these films it's almost as if they were seeing in the future the whole thing of, of him finding his power and his power is that he has no fucking power it's like power where, where everyone's fucking special but no one's fucking special. <laughs> this is it, it is it is the perfect perfect reflection of, of a nihilistic life. This is a nihilistic series. <laughs> it's it's, it's, it's like the Incredibles. Life. If everybody's problem, nobody we is. Just, people tell us that we're special. We're not fucking special. <laughs> no, he's the generic. The funny it's, thing it's is, he's said, the generic Iron Man. We're just here. That's it. We're generic here. Iron Man. There you go. Yeah, <laughs> he has he has that glowing pentagram on his chest, like the generic Iron Man. Oh my God. Okay, so so I'll I'll finish this up. Glad that was amazing. Thank you so much, my friend. This series, so far up to this point, I agree with all of you. I, I really do. I think you know the reason why I chose this for us to do was one. Nobody else is talking about these movies. I thought it'd be interesting for people of our age that grew up seeing these things on the shelf. And I am a masochist when it comes to certain films. And I like to kind of like push myself to the limit and say, hey, I like shitty movies. Can I stand watching all 13 of these films? So it's kind of like, <laughs> like Scott said, it's a rite of passage. Can I make it through 13 of these movies that I know more than likely I'm not going to like at all. Am I setting myself up for failure? Am I setting myself just to goof? Am I an asshole that's just looking to be a dick on air for my show? You know that that's not something that I like to do on this show. Film Jerks, it's called Film Jerks. We can be jerks on it. This show, Astro Radio Z, I like to hold a little higher regard. I like to think that, you know, we're giving fair shakes to everything. I actually made a good and bad list for every single film. I mean, let's be honest, Witchcraft 4 only had one good point. I don't, I didn't want to come on and just be an asshole and sit and rip these things apart. But I also want us to, like, have fun and be honest that, you know what, these are not good movies. Let's not make <laughs> any allusions to that. The Witchcraft series, a series of films where there's pentagrams on the cover that were literally sold by the covers. Mm -hmm. They were literally sold by the covers. I ha I hope, like, like Scott and like Brian, like every one of us, that the coming ones are better. I, I'm hoping, that is my, my dear hope, is that we find, like, they just give up and they just do go for broke, you know. But as far as I know, all of these films center around Will Spanner. <laughs> and every single last one of them. So they all become this kind of like movie of the week. You know, he's a lawyer, he's a PI, or whatever the fuck he ends up deciding he wants to be. And then there's some new, uh, like, malevolent force that he's got to sit and overcome. 
I think a um, female detective becomes the main. Stephanie Beaton, Detective okay. Lucy Lutz. I think she's the main figure for three of them. Oh, really? Like 9, because, 10, 11, yeah. Because I know the one that I watched at the end, 13, Will Spanner is the main character. Yeah. He, he might still be in it. It looks like he's... But I think she's like a the first... I could be wrong, but I think she's the first like major character, female character, who recurs and... Well, that's exciting. I hope that's the case. Then I'm looking forward to this because this Will Spanner character is a real pile of bullshit. I can't wait for <laughs> Will Spanner, the astronaut. When are we going to get that one? Oh, my <laughs> God. I hope they go in space. I really do at some point. Yeah, yeah. It, it takes a bit, but I think by... It looks by Witchcraft 10. He, he's not in them anymore. And it, oh. it's this Detective Lucy Lots who kind of takes over. Oh, awesome. I'm really looking forward to that. That's, <laughs> that's, that's, that's very exciting to me. You just gave you just gave Derek something to look for. Yeah, there yeah. yeah. There's some hope. There's a, there's a light at the end of the tunnel of this very dark tunnel. So um, I hope you guys, uh, listeners of Astro Radio Z, enjoyed this. Um, look forward to at least two or three more episodes of, of this. We'll see. Hopefully, I'm I'm hoping to do one through four. Obviously, was this episode five through eight. Then uh, I may torture us and pound the last five movies into one episode. Ooh. I may do that to make it a you know a trilogy of episodes. We'll see how that goes, guys. Just to add to, to the pay that's upcoming, looking at IMDb ratings, the highest rated one is a three. <laughs> and which one is that, Glenn? Uh, I think that was number six. You know what the funny thing is? I started watching that one, and that one was... Number 10 is like a 1.6. We go as low as a (laughs) 1.2. Which for IMDb is pretty freaking low, because people who write stuff on IMDb have zero fucking taste, generally. Oh, absolutely. It's usually not a barometer for any sort of taste whatsoever. No, but it, so maybe it means they're brilliant. Like point. if the people have no taste who are rating them, maybe they're brilliant. Maybe they get brilliant as we go on. Oh my gosh, I sure hope that's the case. I sure hope that's the case. I don't think well, so, but <laughs> I don't think so either. I think you're 100 percent true on this. <laughs> so, so boys, let's do some pimpage to round out this episode and let's call it a night. Brian Kirst, where can we find you, my friend? Facebook, Big A Horror Fan, uh, com. I've got an essay in a book called Hidden Horror, which is uh, yeah, Amazon. It's getting a lot of buzz lately. Um, William so Lustig awesome. did the intro, and Robert England's got a quote, and I guess it's it's doing pretty well on Amazon. But um, nice. there's some amazing essays in that. Yes, it, there are. Some really, really cool films, uh, Pretty Poison, and The House That Screamed, and Pieces. Pieces, yeah, but just some really, really, um, some cool films that I really love that people have written about, so. Very excited about that one, and a lot of those pieces are by friends of ours in the filmmaking community, so definitely go out there. Aaron Christensen, a dear friend of ours, one of the main actors in a a film that I helped out on called Dead Weight, Um, he wrote this book, amazing, I can't wait to get my mitts on this thing, so awesome, 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 awesome. Glenn Bittner. Where can we find you? Uh, you can find me uh, on YouTube uh, at the B Movie Bunker. I'm finally back from my long winter hiatus. And that's pretty much it right now. <laughs> I mean, and aside from doing this and film jerks and the spoiler room that I do with 
Mark the Movie Man and a couple other people. That's where you can find me right now. Mark the Movie Man. Mark the Movie Man. You can find me at specialmarkproductions.com, on YouTube, uh, slash Special Mark. I'm also now a regular staff member on welivefilm.com. I'm hosting Horror Thursdays there, where I'm bringing unusual films to the masses. So far, they haven't kicked me off yet. With the <laughs> so, give them time. They give them time. Uh, so you can find me on welivefilm.com. I've got written reviews up there as well. Uh, things are going really well with that. And on Twitter at MovieManiac3D uh, as well. We got some great stuff uh, all over. You get to see Glenn on the spoiler room. Those are fun usually. Derek occasionally shows up. Uh, so, uh, yeah, that's where you can find me at. And Mr. Scott Davis, go ahead. Okay, I'm going to try to make this quick because I am out of booze here. So. Yeah, so uh, am I. I. I'm really thirsty right now, actually. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Same here. All right, you can catch me uh, at filmgeekcentral.com where I uh, talk about a lot of uh, all films, really, some, including some mainstream stuff. And I also ha- you can catch me on YouTube at Movieocrity. Uh, that's with an O. It's a show I'm doing uh, all about exploitation films. Season 1 is wrapped. I am working on Season 2 right now. Awesome. Really excited about it because I think cool. it's going to be really good. So that's really good. Movieocrity. Very good. I, I enjoy that quite a bit. Oh, thank you. And I am Mr. Derek Carey. You can find me on Twitter at MrBishop77, uh, on Facebook. Um, if you want to learn more about Astro Radio Z, go to our Tumblr page in which I have I, I list everything from Film Jerks to the old, all the episodes of Astro Radio Z, including some old ones with my former co-host, Corey J. Udler. You want to go check out what Astro Radio Z is about, go to that. Also, uh, check out, we're on Twitter, Astro Radio Z is on the Twitter. Please go follow. Go, send us out there. If you like Astro Radio Z, get a hold of me. Uh, let me know. I'd love to have uh, any of you guys that want to come on and talk about witchcraft films, please, come on. I'd love to torture some more people with these films. So, uh, yeah, you can find me on Facebook, Twitter, Tumblr, blah, blah, blah. If you'd like you can support some of the films <laughs> that I'm involved with. Uh, Swamphead, uh, we're going to be at, uh, Corey and I are going to be at Cinema Wasteland coming up in April. Dude, I'll um, see you there. Uh, are you going to be there, Brian? I'm going to be there, man. Fuck yeah, dude. Let's yeah. try not get in any rape dungeons this time. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Let's make a pact right now that you and I do not go in any rooms like we did last year where guys have vodka gummies. You were you were so nice. <laughs> you were like, uh, Brian, you can go now. You can get out of here. <laughs> oh my god! And, and the thing is, I was only in there because because Corey, Corey was, was just like smoozing it up and thinking was, nothing was wrong. And I'm getting nervous, and you're like, you can go now. Yeah, I could see the fear <laughs> in your eyes. I, try, well, I was trying to leave, but every time I would go, Corey would be like, Brian, where are you going? Come on, man, come no, on! Uh, that's why I looked right at you, and I'm just like, Brian, get out of here. You're the only one who's gotten out right now. You need Somebody needs to survive. Zell like being hunted by one. Yeah. yeah. Derek took one for me. He, he yeah. let me escape, and... Yeah, yeah, so let's make a pact right now. No rape dungeons. Let's, let's just have man. a good time. Sounds yeah. good. Awesome, good, awesome, good awesome. I'll definitely see you at Cinema Wasteland. We'll be there. 
Um, we're hoping in the, in the this year because uh, we have Hole in the Wall that's going to be coming out. Actually, I just got word Ooh. today that the Slasher Studio Boys finished up their segment for Hole nice. in the Wall. I should nice. be seeing that in the next week. I can't wait to see that. Um, the one of the last shorts filmed by my dear friend Justin Prop, who did uh, Swamphead, is going to be filming in two weeks. So we were hoping to screen it at Cinema Wasteland, but I don't think it'll be done in time. So coming out this year, Hole in the Wall, go check out at briarwoodentertainment.com. You can get Swamphead, uh, Breaking Glass Pictures as uh, Screaming in High Heels, blah, 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 blah. We make movies, go buy them, support independent art. For me and everyone that was on this episode of Astro Radio Z, thank you for paying attention and listening to what I'm sure is going to be two and a half hours of pure nonsense about shit films. So, <laughs> catch you next time. My name is not Billy Boy. 